This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Customized, but yours truly, Curtis Lewin. This is the last roundup uh, as Frank Morano, deadbeat slacker. I don't know where the hell he is. Two vacations within two months, one to Hawaii, now one to it's either Cape May, or that's what he said, Montauk, where they have banned dancing. So it may well be that he's there, since as you know, he acts like the. Um, son of a Pentecostal minister when it comes to dancing. And then uh, all of a sudden, it seemed that he appeared on a Facebook post of his very dear friend, uh, minority leader in the city council, Republican Joe Borelli, who this past week has gone out of his way from Greece of all places while the borough of Staten Island. He wants to secede. He wants it to be the 51st state. I mean, there's a crime crisis going on there. Carjackings, car thefts, catalytic converters, home invasions, drive-by shootings of a woman. They never had that before. And he's in Greece? And then he's getting on my case because I call him an Eric Adams Republican, which so many of them are? And it looked like Frank Morano may have actually been there in Greece. Might have been there with Rachel and his son, Carmine, who definitely looked like he was eating the grape leaves. No, no, we're going to be talking about cocoa leaves later on with Aaron Rodgers up in Machu Picchu in Peru, where he said he's been revived. For what? Dropping LSD. Said he had his best season ever on LSD. And as I digress, it seems it appropriately fits. My own wife, Nancy, has just texted me and said after my appearance on Sean Hannity this evening when I blew it up, man, I blew it up. She said, you must be delirious. You can't be awake this many hours without being delirious. Well, maybe, just maybe, Nancy, I'm using the Aaron Rodgers treatment. We'll get into that later on, huh? Said he had his best season ever. Or dropping acid. What was it? Little litmus, pieces of paper, or Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck. Huh? Come on. What is he, a deadhead? He followed Jerry Garcia and the dead when they used to give out free tabs of acid during the concert? No. Although there is a hint. What NCAA school did he play football at? Cal Berserkly. Berkeley. Oh, 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 oh that should say it all. But wait a second, I am really digressing here. My wife Nancy is correct. I am delusional after a week of substituting for the Mama Luke, Frank Morano. There's no doubt about it. I've been doing triple shifts around the clock. Our mothership station. That's right, I said it, Brown Nose Alex. Oh, you can't say that. Because, you know, Frank Morano has his own network. He is uh, all over the nation now. There's no doubt about it, he is. But we're the flagship station of every one of those stations who have hooked up 
to be part of the massive network that is growing as we speak of Frank Morano. It's growing on everybody as if it's like mold. Where's my music, Maestro? Wait, 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 I got it in for you, Matt Blaze. Yeah, yeah, that's a real name, all right. If ever there was a fugitive, imagine a guy comes to work. Hey, HR, what's your name? Uh, uh, Matt Blaze. Really? How many aliases do you have? Oh, uh, you know, I just truncated it. I had one of these long Russian Jewish names. And, you know, my father said, instead of uh, having somebody struggle with a multi-syllabic Yiddish name, we'll just call you Blaze. Blaze. You know what blazing means? You're smoking dope. Oh, what are you, blazing away there with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre with his billion-dollar empire? I noticed you're wearing Dre headphones, huh? God. The McWhitey White. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, of course you have no idea what's going on. You've been an impediment to this entire week, Frank. You take a vacation off, then I do the show the Curtis Lee way. How quickly he forgets he was my intern. He was my producer. When I had a nationally syndicated show, you know what I have now? I have what I hold in my hands below my neighbor. Who gods? I have bupkis. I have all these written instructions. Look, I, he, I'm not even permitted to give the phone number out. Not even permitted to give the phone number out. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is crazy. In all big block letters like... Uh, you know, I'm special ed here. And what, like the Frank Morano crew of Mensa? Yeah, right. You got the brown nose producer, Alex. You got uh, Blaze here, and he's been blazing before he came on the job, man. I mean, I got a contact high just standing outside, and everybody said, building management said, man, that guy is really lit up. Is he taking a drug test? I said, didn't you see? That the recreational use of marijuana is now legal in the state of New York and New Jersey. So he's blazing away. And then we started with this problem. At the beginning of the week, they had this guy named Ken who was a telephone talent coordinator, or as I would call it, phone screener. Fell asleep on me. Claimed he was dropping ambient. You know, say Tiger Woods, you know, the Kennedys, they use ambient. I use ambient. I said, you going to sleep on the job? I'm going to kick your ass. Get the hell out of here. Oh, and then he hid behind the skirts of HR. Oh, Curtis Lee would threaten me. He's a vigilante. Well, that's true. Uh, and yes, I did threaten him, and we haven't seen him since. So I took it upon myself to uh, add diversity to the Frank Morano Mick Whitey Whitey lineup by bringing in Avery, who I have loaned to the Frank Morano show on occasion as the telephone talent coordinator, although Frank goes out of his way to diss and dismiss this guy. And now they say, no, Avery. Frank complained to HR, right? Complained to management. Now I'm stuck with this schlub, Ryan. I have no idea what's going on. My God, Ryan, you are the whitest guy I have ever seen in my life. You're whiter than the Quaker Oats guy on the box. God, where the hell is the diversity? But it's okay. This is the final go-round. And this has been quite weak. But, you know, they uh, generally have in this segment, they were telling me, um, Howie says, well, you know, you got to stick to the format. What do you mean the format? This is a stream of consciousness. This is theater of the mind the way overnight radio should be. Don't tell me 
I've been doing this for 35 years. Well, you know, we have our way of doing things. But if you want your way of doing things, Alex, get the gold bricks slacker back from vacation. I haven't taken two weeks of vacation in 35 years. But anyway, uh, supposedly this is the Ask Frank Anything Except His Age segment. By the way, do we have him talking about his age there whatsoever? Uh, I mean, it's sort of like uh, a secret. You know, it's sort of like, uh, what, can we get Geraldo to break into his house to figure out exactly how old he is when he when he broke into that safe on the North Shore of Chicago looking for Capone's treasures? Anything except his age. I'm not permitted to give the number. Can, can you have this... Um, nor do well give the number here, Matt, one 9222 That's one 9222 Now, unlike Frank, who censors questions and callers, let it rip. You know, in fact, let's conjure up an image. You know, everybody likes to think in movie-style images. Ryan, right? This will help you, hipster and millennial. Because I know this is intellectually beyond your capacity. So if I put it in a movie... Uh, sort of frame, then everybody, oh, movie, what movie would you say this is like? This is like uh, Heath Ledger, remember Heath? The Dark Knight, you know, that interrogation scene with uh, the Joker, you know, Christian Bale interrogating the Joker. Heath Ledger, remember that? Remember? Can you understand, can I connect the dots here? Not the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, who was psychotic in the Joker and immediately upon receiving the Academy Award, remember, went to rescue calves from the slaughterhouse. Yeah, that was good. But now all of a sudden, look, I, I, I see that I see that Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga is going to be in the remake. The remake of the new Joker? She's going to be Harley Quinn? Girlfriend of the Joker? I'm telling you, this week in honor of Tony Bennett, I have banned uh, Thunder Thighs, all songs of Lady Gaga. In tribute to Tony Bennett, by the way, who's 96, unfortunately frail, although probably in better shape than our president, Joe Biden, in that basement somewhere in the White House or Delaware. We're going to get to him later on. But... um, Suffering from dementia, Alzheimer's. We did a tribute to Tony Bennett about 24 hours ago. And let me tell you something. You know who is listening? The Catman. The man who rescued WABC from the abyss. This tower of power, 50,000 powerful watts of sound. They could be heard in 38 states, parts of Canada. A sliver of Europe and down to Davy Jones's locker was on its deathbed. He resuscitated it like Lazarus and brought us back to the number one news station in the nation. And now it is the flagship station for the growing Frank Morano Coast to Coast Network. So I don't want to hear Lady Gaga whatsoever. Oh, my God. Pimping off my ride here, right? Lady Gaga, Thunder Thighs. I can't believe this. Oh, so now you're going to be the girlfriend of the new Joker. You're going to be Harley Quinn. Who's going to be the new Joker? It's going to be Joaquin Andujar Phoenix. Or are they going to bring back Heath Ledger? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 
Matt, don't mess with me, Blaze, because I am delirious. I will take you and throw you out the window. I don't care what HR says. You can join Ken, the telephone talent coordinator. Who's, uh, I'm thinking to go back to work. He's threatening me. Kill me. You're damn right I will. Look at this. They put a bulletproof glass between me and the staff here. What, what? Normally, people try to shoot me. I don't carry a gun. Didn't you see me on Hannity tonight? Urging America to fight back by any means necessary. Oh, they said that. That's revolutionary. Well, if you're not going to let the cops do their job, if you're going to render them impotent, if DAs are actually going to turn criminals loose and act like defense attorneys and elected officials, Democrats and Republicans, are actually going to side with victims and not do anything other than have a press conference. And I have said, yes, I said it loud and proud on the Fox News channel. I'm sure some of you saw it. Fight back by every means necessary. That's when my wife uh, texted me and said, you are delirious. You can't be awake this many hours without being delirious. Yes, but Nancy, I never revealed to you. I use the Aaron Rodgers method that was introduced to me. Close to 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when I get into all that, when I debated Timothy Leary, the guru of LSD, in the heads versus defense debate, when all of a sudden, his main partner, oh yeah, 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 (laughs) who became a great talk show host, rescued by Bob Grant, who am I talking about, will give you a uh, courtesy with booby prize, don't ask, don't tell, because I throw nickels around like manhole covers, but at least I don't have alligator arms like Frank Morano. I can throw those nickels and quarters around. Who was the person that Timothy Leary had the debate around the country, heads versus feds, where he promoted the use of LSD, and his adversary said he would lock him up and throw away the key. And when that person was not available... He was yours truly, Curtis Lever. <laughs> and I'll never forget, he came out on the stage at College Park University of Maryland. 4,000 stoners. Two people there to support me. 4,000 to support him. And it was to the tune of Incense and Peppermint, right? You know, the hippie drug song of 1967. It was number one. And then all of a sudden, he turned to me after they gave him an outstanding ovation saying... Tim, Tim, throw us some tabs of acid. Uh, We're thirsty for acid. You degenerate. And he said, oh, I'm a degenerate? Because you will see. You see the Washington Redskins are playing over at Landover FedEx? I predict it will be a day when you go into the trainer's room and they prepare to go on the gridiron, you muscle head, that they will be dropping acid. And I said, you're in a drug-induced psychosis. Boom! All they wanted was free acid from Timothy Leary. Oh, oh you no tolerance, man. You're a narc sleever. I said, you damn well. The FBI's in D.C. I'll knock you all out. Started a riot, man. It was so great. They had to hustle Timothy Leary out, not me. I was ready. Back to back, I was on the stage. But Timothy Leary said, he wouldn't let me bring any acid on the stage like Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. And, of course, which group? From Vermont, uh, took their place. Do I have one? Do I have one? Oh, patchouli oil. Oh, fish, fish, fish. Upesh. You see, this is a stream of consciousness, ladies and gentlemen. You hear my theme song prepared for me by David Crosby. 
of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young when I took their back in their battle with Spotify against the musclehead Joe Rogan. You remember that? With Joni Mitchell and David? Because they took their library, their musical library, their baby boomers so love, away from Spotify. He said, Curtis, you were the, the last man standing for us. I'm going to create a special customized song for your other side of midnight, which I do on the weekend. Six hours. See, Frank can only handle four. I go six to the break of dawn because I've got the stamina. Why? Because I use the Aaron Rodgers way, right? Hey, it fights off fatigue. Hey, he did it. Why can't I do it? Oh, that's right. He wasn't vaxxed, but I am vaxxed. I wonder if that will interfere. My God, they have polio spreading. There was one case in Rockland County. Now all of a sudden, my God, there could be hundreds of cases of polio. I said, do we all have to go to, to Machu Picchu up there in the Andes Mountains and chew the cocoa leaves and have a tea of LSD? Is that the only place we'll be safe from all these viruses? No, 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 I'm not getting paranoid and schizophrenic here. Well, let me just mention that... Uh, one of the orders from headquarters from Frank Morano, wherever he is, is that you have to play the songs, my songs, of the other side of Midnight by an NDP and a Stevie G. I say, I will not play the songs of Beavis and Butthead. You know, they're making, uh, what, uh, the new movie, Do the Universe, Beavis and Butthead, Do the Universe. Well, they got the Beavis and Butthead. That's Andy B and Stevie G. Um, those are the worst songs. I mean, you got to say pro style. I mean, David Crosby, and yes, you're going to hear later on in this hour, Judas Priest customized a song for me. Yeah, back scratch it, Andy B, Stevie G, and you will hear the words, do it. And you know what they were saying, do it meant? Commit suicide. Well, I'm not suggesting that, Andy B and Stevie G, but you may want to impale yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Where did he come up with those? And they're, they're telling me I got to play these songs. I'm not going to. Oh, my God. Oh, this is so painful. I. Oh, my God. Oh. How do you compare that to David? Stop this. Stop this. Or I'll impale myself here. I mean, this is a national network of stations now. The Frank Morano Network from our flagship station, WABC. And we're playing that? Oh, oh, but you'll hear my other song, Living After Midnight by Judas Priest, customized for me. Even though it's satanic, it's demonic. Yeah, there's 666, the Antichrist. And then the other thing that they made, oh, you have to have guests. You have to have guests. You have to talk about Sasquatch. You have to talk about the Loch Ness Monster. So they had their, uh, they had their, well, what they call their booker, their celebrity booker. Oh, she's the best. Jennifer Grott, best in the business. We've been using her for years. I said, she's a teenager. She just had her bat mitzvah. What are you talking about? Oh, no. Uh, She really gets him. So she researches and researches. Day number one that I took over from Frank Morano while he's on his second vacation in two months, right? I haven't taken a vacation in 35 years. What do they say? Balls to the wall. Can I say that? Oh, yeah, yeah. The FCC allows me to say that. Although that's something that Beavis and Butthead would do. Staple their coolions to the wall. Go, (laughs) 
Yeah, that's Andy B and Stevie G, whatever their names are. But anyway, so I digress. So here it is, Jennifer Grodd, fresh from her bat mitzvah, saying to me, oh, I, I can book anybody. You, 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 according to Frank, you have to go with the guests we book. So they find the number one expert who has just published a paper. He's got a Ph.D. from Harvard and, believe it or not, Yale. And we, we've had U.S. Supreme Court justices, right, from those, uh, those colleges and presidents. Need I tell you, I don't trust them. I don't trust any of those politicians or judges, especially if you're Ivy League. Oh, Curtis, this will be the best. 58 pages she gives me. I got a double hernia. Oh, this uh, will go viral. Oh, really? Am I going to get the virus? You know, I haven't gotten coronavirus or any of the variants, COVID-19. No, no, that's not what I mean. And so I just want to give you a little hors d'oeuvre of the torture that I had to be put through by substituting for Frank this entire week. A week of degradation, humiliation, where I was turned into a human piñata, set up, deceived, and made a victim of radio technology. Listen to this. Give me an idea of out of the many things you've done in your life, and you originally from uh, Kodiak, Alaska, how you ended up being involved in researching the Loch Ness Monster and breathing life into its possible existence in the past. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go quite that far, but I, I just kind of, I go out there, I try and find fossils, I look at what's out there and try and just, be opportunistic, go out there and look at fossils and see what emerges. And we found surprisingly in, in Morocco, we found evidence of plesiosaurs, which uh, kind of become sort of one proposal is the Loch Ness Monster was a plesiosaur. We found evidence of these things living in freshwater Hell rivers in North Africa. Oh, you turn me off here, huh? Matt Blake, oh, you were engrossed in that. Like, I, I guess you listen to NPR when you're not here. First of all, the guy sounded like he had constipation. Like, and then right away I'm saying, wait a second, Loch Ness Monster. I was 25 miles away when I was in Glasgow on the subway there trying to organize a guardian angel group to keep Protestants from killing Catholics and Catholics from killing Protestants. I could have went there. The BBC offered me to go there 25 miles away. What the hell does Morocco have to do with it? Oh, and I said, man... This is not going to be good. So what did he talk about? What did he talk about? Now, that's, so, that's Morocco. So for me growing yeah. up, I'm listening that's to Crosby. Right. But I'm listening, far away. I'm listening to Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young's Marrakesh Express, and I'm thinking Morocco, yeah. you know, the sook, hash, drugs. I'm not thinking the Loch Ness Monster unless uh, maybe. That, that's not why I was there. No, no, not none of that. But uh... What? Maybe you should have stopped at the Sook and eaten a chunk of hash. Or accompanied Aaron Rodgers and Machu Picchu. 8,000. 8,000 feet. Way up there in the Andes. Or Cusco, 11,000 feet. And then have that LSDT, right? This guy should have been tripping. And then, you know, I'm ready. I set it up for the big question. Okay, you were in Morocco. For the Loch Ness Monster that's in Scotland. Oh, he dropped the ball. Just to be clear, though, like, so I, I suggested that one aspect of the theory that there's a plesiosaur Loch Ness was plausible, that there is 
Could plesiosaurs move their marine reptiles? Could they actually exist in freshwater? And that part's plausible, but the other parts of the Loch Ness monster scenario, the idea that there's a plesiosaur in Loch Ness or some other animal, it's it's not super plausible. So uh, I hate to disappoint, but there's probably not a Loch Ness monster there. There's probably not a plesiosaur in Loch Ness. What the hell? There's no Loch Ness monster? There's probably not a Loch Ness monster there. There's probably not a plesiosaur Loch Ness. Oh, God, he should have went to the Marrakesh Express, taking it to the Sook. Man, he should have chewed some hash. And he was up in Kodiak, Alaska. Why would I be talking to a guy fishing for salmon like a bear? You know, trying to grab it with his hands. Yeah, that's what he told me he was doing. Fishing for salmon with his hands. You know, like those hillbillies down in Arkansas. They go hand fishing. Remember that reality show? It was a freaking hillbilly up in Alaska. Oh, he's the best. Oh, Jennifer Cryer. Uh, he's the expert. And then his Frank texting in from Parts Unknown. Oh, he's got to interview this guy. He's got to interview. This is one of my regular guests. Uh, my, my listeners are expecting it. And at that point, I said, hey. You you want to do the show? Then get your butt back here. If not, I'm doing it the Curtis Lee way, as we will the rest of this morning. And then next week, same time, same place. Get back to the fuddy-duddy, the mama Luke, Frank Morano. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. After midnight, not playing Parcheesi or board games. Yeah, headbangers ball. We don't be playing no Andy B, Stevie G, Beavis and Butthead. Customized for yours truly because I gave Judas Priest tactical air support in Sparks, Nevada when they were on trial because the Holy Rollers there, you know, you think of Nevada, right? It's like uh, decadence, debauchery, the chicken ranch, you know, formerly Art Bell, that Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, you know, gambling, you know, basically uh, masushi joints all over the place. No, but there's a part. There's a part of Nevada, man. It's like I think there are more Mormons in Nevada sometimes than Utah. I mean, we're talking hardcore. Holy Rollers. Church of the Latter-day Saints. And you know what happened? They dragged Judas Priest into uh, court. And they said, you are sending subliminal messages. If you backscratch, you backscratch Judas Priest, you will hear Satan. Say, do it. Do it. Meaning commit suicide. Do it. No, no, no. And let me tell you, the management, the ownership, 
the uh, people who exploit third world nations by manufacturing Nikes in Eugene, uh, Oregon, who end up uh, then selling it for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. That's right, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, people making like 25 cents on the assembly line. You don't care. You're rolling in dough. But remember, as they were sitting around the boardroom at Nike in Eugene, Oregon, I've been there, right? Oh, they got the track there. Oh, this is Nike land, right? And they're sitting there listening to Judas Priest, and they're listening to Satan speak to them as they backscratch. Do it, do it. Oh, that's our logo. Just do it. Just do it. So you see, it's satanic. Never forget listening to that song, Better By You, Better Than Me. In fact, Colin Kaepernick was in the headquarters of Eugene of Nike when he said, you see, I look like Satan, don't I, with all the tats, you know, that freaky hair of his. Satan. He looks like Satan, doesn't he? By the way, he made multi-millions of dollars. Basically, F you. My career was failing. Oh, I saw him. I saw him in the Super Bowl in New Orleans. You talk about a, a city of decadence and debauchery. And he was leading the Baltimore Ravens. And there was Lewis, right, the middle linebacker, the killer, the murderer. <laughs> and he was all tired running around chasing Colin Kaepernick. And the 49ers were ahead. And then the lights went out for 28 minutes. And the Baltimore Ravens, they were all catching their breath. Uh, you know, oxygen. <laughs> what were they using on the bench? The tea that Aaron Rodgers was drinking in Machu Picchu which bolsters you from having fatigue. Or as you look at the Incas, what did they chew up there? Up there in Cusco, 11,000 feet high in the sky, cocoa leaves. And then they came out and they crushed Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers, right? And he was never the same after that. You like that? A little Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular here. But probably the worst part of all this was the degradation, the humiliation. Here it is. I'm sitting here in New York City, the epicenter of the Frank Morano syndicated program that goes from coast to coast from its mothership connection at WABC. Uh, We are the host of the number one news talk program in the mornings, coast to coast. Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg, who made their bones with Imus in the morning. There was a syndicated program, right? And then they inherited that. And, man, they've added to it. And this friend of Frank Morano, his best man at his wedding, he didn't choose me. A guy that he had at his christening as the godfather. Yep, to Carmine, now the 40-year-old baby. He didn't choose me even to come to the christening and the baptism. And then to the barbecue recently that he was talking about endlessly. You know, basically my staff on the weekends, the other side of midnight, you know, it ain't the McWhitey Whiteys. Everybody's a brother or a sister, and they even think I'm a brother because my first name is Curtis. And they think I culturally appropriated it from Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent. I had it first. So anyway, we're waiting for the invitations. I certainly didn't get mine. And then Avery, our telephone talent coordinator, says, black as you can get, said, the only way I'll get an invitation from Frank Morano 
to the south shore of Staten Island as if I'm asked to deliver Domino pizzas. And he didn't even get asked to do that. We were shut out. But who is there? Oh, entertaining everybody. The minority leader of the Republicans in the city council. The man who plays ping pong with Frank. Every chance they get to be slackers and deadbeats. The Eric Adams leading Republican, Joe Borelli. And he calls up Sid and Bernie from Spain while Staten Island is on fire with all this crime. In Spain. Well, was Spain. Oh, no, Greece. Excuse me. He did a hop, skip, and a jump. First, España, Portugal, and then Greece. He scored the trifecta. Put it on his Facebook. And then he calls in, right? And what does he say to Sid and Bernie? It's funny to be called a rhino by someone who did everything they could to trash Donald Trump at every opportunity uh, when he was running for president. But that's not even the main issue, guys. I mean, this is a guy who's an ingrate. I mean, this is someone who up until I got a tweet, an ingrate. It's a a word I'm sure Curtis would actually uh, use in one of his fancy lexicons he likes. So that's why I'm using it. And why am I calling him that? Because 11 hours ago, I thought I was friends with Curtis Lewa. A week ago, I got a text from Curtis Lewa about Eric Adams making a joke. I made a joke back about Eric Adams to him, and you know, and that was that. Up until 11 hours ago, I didn't realize Curtis Lewa had a problem with me. Gee, will Eric Adams forgive him now that he's an Eric Adams Republican? By the way, where is the brown-nosed producer, Alex, right? His nose so far up to Tuchus of Frank Morano, he can barely see. Uh, Alex, are you so busy here doing things, going back and forth, texting with Frank Morano and parts unknown? Uh, what did he call me again? Uh, let's define this. He called me a what? This is a guy who's an ingrate. Okay. What is an ingrate? Well, Curtis, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, an ingrate is an ungrateful person. Well, said, Sid didn't know what the hell he was talking about, right? Sid went, what? Well, no, his vocabulary isn't that big, so, you know. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. You see... They use these $5 words, you know, they try to be intellects. Oh, I have a college education. I, I went to university. I'm a learned man. Look at Curtis. He's a street urchin. They kicked him out of high school, the Jesuits. They shined the, their boots on his, his backside, and he never looked back. I'm a what? What was that again? This is a guy who's an ingrate. I still don't know. <laughs> Where the hell did he find that word? That's not a street street guy. Can you imagine? You're in the middle of beef in the streets, right? And, you know, I'm always in the middle of beef with the streets. And I'm always telling these guys, you know, you want beef, I'll bust your teeth, right? That, that, that's the language they understand, pain compliance. You imagine Joe Borelli in a street ball, uh, street brawl, and what does he say? This is a guy who's an ingrate. Well, you going to call somebody well, an ingrate in the street? Wow. See what I'm dealing with? Look, this is the business that we have chosen. I accept a lot. But to accept being told what I got to do, how I have to wipe my tuchus when I take a break, which, which toilet paper to use. Frank has specifications. You have to use Charmin toilet paper. Charmin, that's weak. I mean, that is so weak. When you go to a rest stop, You don't get Charmin toilet paper. You have to take like 50 of those sheets that are breaking off 
It's supposed to save trees. You end up using more tissue paper because it's so paper thin. Oh, no. One of Frank's requirements is not only can there not be red M&Ms in the bowl, but there has to be Charmin tissue paper every time he goes and wipes his toches. What a week of degradation, humiliation. But, you know, I do it for the cause. I do it for the cause. And uh, I got to give it to my wife. You know, we do an animal welfare hour on Sundays, 11 to 12. The most called into, the most interested uh, hour of the many hours that I do, in which the acronym ABC stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. That's right, Ryan. I said WABC. I'm proud of that. Oh, don't mention WABC. You know, you have all these other affiliates. They might lack self-esteem. Well, they're not the number one news talk station in the nation. And I'll bet you some of them are FM stations. You know what FM stands for? Freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and Frank Morano. AM, active-minded. You don't like it? Don't take a vacation. Huh? That's what I tell everybody in the business. I eat up their real estate. I hear that some guy in Chicago is taking a vacation, his sixth vacation of the year. I call up the program director after getting permission from management and ownership. I said, look, you don't mind if I do that show in Chi-Town. That's like my second second city. You know, murder capital, gang capital, drive-by capital, uh, carjacking capital, right? It's murder incorporated there. They love me in Chi-Town. I got guardian angels there. They say, you sure you can handle the load? I say, this is Curtis Sleewood. Till the day I die, I'm going to be broadcasting. Okay, knock yourself out. I'm telling talk show host, hostess is all across America. This is the easiest job you will ever have in your life. And they're all, oh, Moni, oh, it's so difficult. It's so stressful. The ratings. The ra- well, if you do a good radio program, you won't have to worry about ratings. Oh, well, you know, I don't want to offend this person. You know, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I offend everybody, friends and foes. If you've ever listened to me, you say, wow, I thought Rudy Giuliani, you combat cheats. Oh, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes he's like a hemorrhoid on my tuchus, you know. I don't have enough preparation H in the world to schmear on it. So, look, all of you out there aspiring talk show hosts and hostesses, you know, you're in your basement You have two Dixie cups attached uh, to string. You're practicing your craft. That's good. But I want you to know this is the easiest job that exists in the world. You don't know what work is until you've had to be out there working that nine to five, until you've had to be in a little cubicle. You're a person of no consequence. You ever see the movie The Office, huh? That's what America is like. They sit there in their little cubicles. Nobody knows who they are. They're insignificant people. And you're in the basement, you know, with your pocket protector like Frank Morano. You got your eye patch on. Your glasses are taped together with what? Oh, that's right. Duct tape. And then your boss comes down there and he's got a cup of coffee in his hand. He goes, you know... You heard of the Biden, don't make that the Putin recession because I'm a Democrat. Can't call it the Biden recession. We might have to let you go because you're not an essential worker. You're not essential. Been doing 20, 30 years, right? You've given your blood, sweat, and tears to the company, and they just cut you loose. Ah, that That's having to work a hard job. 
you know, imagine this. I get to sit before a microphone, act like a crazy person like I am in real life, and they pay me for this. Well, America is so great. God bless America. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that, Tony Bennett. Oh, my God, I disparaged Tony. I thought, Tony, you didn't sing the national anthem, huh? You're an anti-American. He said, hey, schmuck putts, how long do I know you, Curtis, right? I can't hit the high notes anymore. That's why I sang America the Beautiful at the Yankee, uh, the Yankee celebration, 1990s. I was so embarrassed. On national broadcast, I was saying, Tony Bennett hates America. Guy served in World War II, the Battle of the Bulge. Oh, God. To the day I die, I'll never survive that. And now he's 96. Lady Gaga was wheeling him around in Central Park. I hope she was not on the top steps with him in the wheelchair because you know what the hell would happen. I I don't want to hear Lady Gaga. Ever since she teamed up Thunder Thighs with Tony Bennett, it watered him down. I wanted to hear Tony Bennett. Not Lady Gaga. Oh, she, all of a sudden, where's Tony? I thought Tony. Look, he's like he's like in the background, being hidden behind the piano, the baby grand piano. Well, let me announce, ladies and gentlemen, due to the fact that our owner and operator, the man who rescued talk radio at WABC, and made it once again the number one news talk station in the nation, along with his wife Margot, owners of Red Apple Media. You know what they have said. A uh, man with a alias name here, Matt Blaze, our board operator. Nine o'clock on Sunday will be a full hour dedicated to Tony Bennett, not only for your enjoyment all over the country, but also so I can do my mea copas, mea copas, mea maxima copas. I'm going to do stations of the cross. I'm going to go to Novenas. I'm going to say my Our Fathers and Hail Marys. I don't know what more to do. He came up to me afterwards. Curtis, how long do I know you, right? He said, Tony, a long time. When, when they were locking you up, arresting you, when you were in San Francisco and I was entertaining in Russian Hill and Diane Feinstein there called you a vigilante, said you'd be hanging people on Polk Street from the telephone poles, like Posse Comitatis. Remember I spoke on your behalf? I said, yeah, Tony. He goes, hey, you do this to me. Oh, uh, thank God. I'm going to be able to make amends on Sunday night from 9 to 10. You know, it's a weekend full of entertainment at WABC. That's right, I said WABC, you brown nose Alex. It's great. Uh, Staten Island Flash kid, Vinny Madunio, he's he's the new rising talent. Not Frank Morano because he won't tell us what age he is. Vinny Madunio teaches school by day, entertains at night, and then spins stacks of wax. And his mentor, Cousin Brucey, may be the greatest of all time, the GOAT. And they have a special tribute to him. You know, there's a documentary about WABC, the number one station in the nation. And John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis brought him back, brought him back home. Cousin Brucey is where he needs to be. And we have a whole... Four o'clock, five o'clock hour on Saturday. After I do left versus right with Anthony Weiner. Although, hell, Frank Morano, he was suggesting. Did you hear that? He wanted Joe Borelli to take my place. He actually called up the cat man and said, oh, Joe Borelli. The man who has disparaged me. The man who called all the way from Greece 
to call me. What was that? What did he call me again? This is a guy who's an ingrate. Yeah, yeah. And then Frank Morano, because this is his very dear friend, actually called up the Catman and suggested that I lose my job on Saturdays with Anthony Weiner, left versus right. Look at this, Matt Blake. You've been blazing too much earlier tonight. What are you, what are you hitting the chronic? You're hitting the Maui Wowie Hindu Kush. You see, this is an this act. This is a guy who's an ingrate. It's an act of sabotage. And you, Ryan, right? Ryan, dopey white boy here. How do I get involved here? I want Avery back. My black telephone talent coordinator to add some diversity to the McWhitey Whiteys of the Frank Morano show. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. I can't believe you're doing this to me. Lady Gaga, I told you. This is Tony Bennett week. And I'm trying to make amends to a man who may be in his twilight. And you're playing the one person who single-handedly diluted his talent by latching on to him like a barnacle on the side of a ship. There was Lady Gaga, right? Thunder dies. And there was Tony Bennett. And I don't know who Tony Bennett's manager was who allowed her to pimp his ride. But I can see you are completely consumed with Lady Gaga, right? Thunder dies, right, right? Do you remember her when she had black hair? Of course you don't. I remember her getting on that New Jersey transit bus every day going to Parsippany when she was a person of no consequence. I also remember Tony Bennett in 1979, the year I started the Guardian Angels, who had bottomed out. He was in Las Vegas. The IRS took his mansion in Los Angeles. He was a coke freak. Like maybe eh, like maybe Aaron Rodgers is. Oh, we're going to get to that in the next hour. Because I don't buy that LSD thing, you know. Cocoa leaves up there in Machu Picchu in the Andes in Peru. Huh? They chew that every day. Well, we'll get to that. Tony Bennett called up both of his sons. He said, sons, I'm a... I'm a drug addict. I'm addicted to cocaine. And he revived himself and resuscitated himself. And once again, was back out there. On his own, he didn't need any Lady Gaga. But all oh, this newfound generation, you know, my little monsters, right? I guess you're a little monster there, right? Oh, by the way, uh, later on, before I have to pass on the... 50,000 powerful watts of sound of the Frank Morano Network. We'll be talking about Mayor Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, who declared himself the hip-hop mayor. You know what he's going to be doing in just a few hours, right? We're in a crime crisis, right? People getting shot, drive-by shootings, 40% crime increase. He says we're the laughing stock of America, which we are. He's going to be conducting a cooking class. 
At 11 o'clock in the morning, I don't know, Eric Adams must have attention deficit disorder. I don't know if he wants to be a Guy Fieri or Mario Batali or Gordon Ramsay or Bobby Flay or Emeril Lagazzi or Wolfgang Puck. He's going to don the apron again. And he's going to do a cooking seminar for all of us to teach us what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat. The last time he did this, he became a laughingstock. When he made this prophetic statement, he said, I will tell you, eating cheese is worse than shooting heroin. It's more addictive and more destructive to your body. Frank Morano, who is Mr. Fromage, you know, he loves cheese. Velveeta cheese, Aaron Rodgers, right? Cheese heads, Green Bay. See, see the synergy here. Frank Morano, who is addicted to cheese, even the low-budget Velveeta cheese. His wife Rachel went out and purchased the Velveeta nail polish, and it's been hot to trot ever since. I mean, that's like an aphrodisiac for Frankie. Oh God, I don't need Viagra. I don't need Cialis. I don't need Levitra. I don't need Spanish fly. I got Velveeta nail polish. And they have Velveeta cocktails. The guy has six Velveeta cocktails before lunch. Six. He's he's like, he might as well be sailing out there. Put up the sail to the wind. He's half in the bag. Velveeta cocktails? And our mayor, in the midst of this crime crisis, I don't understand why, why people are upset that I'm having such a good time. Why? Because it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and instead of dealing with the crime crisis, you're at the Club Zero Bond raising the roof, hanging out with the TikTok girls, and trying to keep up with the Kardashians. Ah, yes, yes. You know, I walk around with swag in my pocket because I like to share it. (laughs) Guy's always laughing. You know what he's laughing at. Come on. Come on. You know what he's laughing at. Am I the only person who can say this? He's saying to you, hey, white people, crackers, how stupid can you be, right, to elect me? Because now I'm sitting on top of the world. I get to go to clubs every night, everything free. You know, they roll out the red car. Oh, the mayor's here. I get to go around and cut ribbons like when I was a borough president. Nobody knew me then. Nobody cared. They said, oh, the Brooklyn borough president is here. Who's that? When I was running against him uh, in a campaign, I went from project to project in Brooklyn, where he's supposed to be known. I had his picture on a milk container. Have you seen this man and the brothers? I mean, we're talking gunslingers, drug posses. Uh, blood scripts, they're laughing, saying, nah, nah, we ain't, we ain't seen that guy. Who's that? That's your Brooklyn Borough president, Eric Adams. Now, look at how he dresses, man. He ain't a street dude. The brothers knew that. He's always laughing. Why is he laughing? You know, is he, is he laughing with us? Or is he laughing at us? That we would be such schmucks, such putzes, to believe all that bovine organite that streams out of his mouth each and every year. And now he wants to be the hip-hop monster. Oh, I, I, I didn't take any calls. It was 
That's the Frank Hour. Well, Frank ain't here. He's on vacation. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Incense and Peppermints was the anthem of the drug culture, 1967. It was the number one hit on WABC, the number one top 40 station in the nation. And yes, Cousin Brucie, a.k.a. Bruce Morrow, that we're going to do a tribute to on the weekend. You don't want to miss it. Saturdays from 4 to 5 after, that's right, Curtis and Anthony Weiner, right? Left versus right. Not with Joe Borelli. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, um, I uh, I did a psych on all of you because they wanted me to do uh, ask Frank anything other than his age, and so you all started calling up Frank Morano callers, and uh, uh, just uh, you, look at this. I want to talk about Carolyn Maloney. Carolyn Maloney. If that woman gets one more facelift, her face is going to snap like an old rubber band. The reverend had stolen IDs. A lot of reverends have stolen IDs. We could we could have an hour's worth of a program on that. In fact, let's face it, our board operator here, a guy named Matt Blaze, you think he should be talking about that with all of his aliases? God, all these lame questions. They really thought that I was going to, oh, ask me anything, uh, but not my age. Man, I don't know, man, we got to. Take up the game now that Frank is a nationally syndicated uh, host from coast to coast. From his flagship station, WABC. Oh, God, here he is. You am, this is an invasion of my circumference, my space. What do you want? Right, well, Curtis, as you know, I, as the executive producer uh, of The Other Side of Midnight for Frank Morano, am in constant contact with Frank. And he just texted me a few minutes ago that... Since we're seeing a uh, you know whole rise of cases in monkeypox and you know, potentially some other diseases like polio in the area, um, that he suggested since we have a national show now that you maybe talk about monkeypox or polio or things of that nature that are sort of more pressing than incense and peppermints. See, I got my Sharpie here. I'm going to take notes, meticulous notes. Uh, and while I'm taking meticulous notes on those subjects, do me a favor. Don't ever come in here again. Get the hell out of here. Noted. 
Yeah, it's noted. Duly noted. You believe this? I mean, it, you interfered with my flow. I was getting into a flow, LSD, the drug era, 1967. I'm going to want to talk about monkeypox. Can't believe this. Monkeypox, right? Everybody, monkeypox, monkeypox, right? Oh, you know, I'll work it in. Oh, yeah, you ought to be. I'll work it in. And polio, now everyone's freaking out. One case in Rockland County. Oh, put the masks on, socially distant. Have the three-year-olds with masks on when they go back to school. No, 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 we're not doing that again. We're not doing that again. Well, what is this, Frank Morano? Is he? You think I'm a puppet? You know, I'm, uh, he's the puppeteer, and I'm just a puppeteer. It's incredible. Don't take time off. Anyway, let's get back on track. Uh, you know, the great economist served uh, President Donald Trump, and now, yes, he's on WABC, the flagship station in the nation, with his own syndicated show, Larry Kudlow. You also get him on the Fox uh, Business Channel and Fox. And he has this saying, we're heard throughout the galaxies. Well, the only way you could be heard throughout the galaxies is if you're tripping on acid. I mean, let's face it, right? There's a limitation to our 50,000 powerful watts of sound. Heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, sliver of Europe, right on down to Davy Jones's locker between the Bahamas and Bermuda and the Caribbean. But there's a limitation. But maybe if you follow up and you do what Aaron Rodgers acknowledged that he has done, which is drop acid. And, I mean, that rocked the athletic world. Now, remember, Aaron Rodgers' claim to fame was that he took over for Bart Starr. No, Bart Starr. Uh, who did he take over for? For a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. I really like the guy that he took over for out of Alabama. Tough. He admitted he was a sex addict. He actually went for therapy. Yeah, it was Tiger Woods. Uh, you may have remembered... Uh, Wade Boggs, hated him as a Red Sox, hated him as a Yankees. Remember he came on Phil Donahue, he said, uh, I'm a sex addict, a sex addict. They actually have rehab for sex addicts. You know what I would do? Give them saltpeter. Put it in their Cheerios in the morning. They did it to guys in prison and in the military for years. And when they would look down below their navel, you know, they expected it to be turgid because they were thinking in triple X rated pornographic terms. And they looked down and it wasn't turgid. It was flaccid. I'm telling you, man, it has worked for decades. Salt Peter. And I'm sure there are some of you out there who went through military training or were in prison and noted that why, why is it that even when I do what Aaron Rodgers said he did after taking acid, self-pleasurizing, feeling like there were a hundred hands on him, stimulating all of his vital organs, and you couldn't get a rise, Salt Peter. In fact, I'm thinking uh, maybe as uh, Aaron Rodgers, who just signed a $150 million contract to spend three more years in Green Bay, a place I've been and wouldn't want to spend an hour there if I didn't have to. Right next to Appleton, you know, way up there in Wisconsin. You might as well be in Canada. But I think Aaron Rodgers has too much time on his hands. I think that's what it is. Look, he came out of UCAL Berkeley. 
not many professional athletes come out of UCAL Berkeley. And basically, you go up on Telegraph Hill in Berserkly. And, I mean, people are doing drugs, selling drugs, dropping acid. People's Park, remember People's Park? You wouldn't know that, Matt Plays. You weren't even birthed. You had all these hippies, these anarchists in People's Park. And then they had to come in with National Guardsmen to get them out. <clears throat> and you know what they were demonstrating about? Because the city of Berkeley, you couldn't be more liberal, more progressive, more to the left. They put up a volleyball net. A freaking volleyball net for all the illegal aliens. Something I never understood. You bring them in from Bolivia, Peru, and the illegal aliens, they don't want to play soccer here in America. They want to play volleyball. Most of these guys and gals, they're like four foot eight. You need to put them under an electron microscope. Three of them have to stand on each other's shoulders in order to spike the ball. They're really good volleyball players. So they put up a volleyball net in People's Park in Berkeley. And then all of a sudden, the National Guard had to come in with the tear gas. Because the hippies, the stoners, the anarchists took over the park. Over a volleyball net. Check it out. And that's when Aaron Rodgers was perfecting his craft on the gridiron, eventually to be uh, recruited and drafted by the Green Bay Packers and to collect splinters on the bench. For what? For what quarterback? Who actually was a Jet briefly and a Minnesota Viking before he decided to hang him up and then go for sex rehab. What's the numbers again? I'm not permitted to... uh, Say the numbers here on the Frank Morano Network Show. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. You think Frank's a little too anal? You think so? He's got to control everything. It's a control freak. So let me give you the story here. So Aaron Rodgers was on a podcast. God only knows everybody's on a podcast. Of late. Not his, somebody else's. Actually, what do you do up in Green Bay in the offseason? You know, you go to Appleton. You stand in the middle of a field, and you hope that lightning doesn't strike you twice. I mean, I look, I've been up there. There ain't nothing going on. So he's got nothing to do but do these podcasts with people who claim that they have podcasts. And he decides to announce that he's been using psychedelic drugs. Psychedelic shack. That's under attack. It's like a ball of confusion. And he said that it helped improve his mental health, but ultimately led him to the best season of his NFL career. He said when he went up to Machu Picchu, and I'd love to talk to anybody who's been up to Machu Picchu. But then again, I'm not permitted to tell you how to communicate with me. I have to wait for Frank Morano to do that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. God, he's such a yenta, such a nag. You know, what is his chromosomal count? Is he an XX or an XY? We're going to be talking uh, about that later with Demi Lovato. You know, I don't know what I'm going to be today. And I don't know. I'm looking forward to becoming a trans. Man, now I know why that woman was a drug addict. Oh, everybody's paying. Oh, Demi. Oh, Demi. And oh, we would be talking about Sid Rosenberg. I stole his book. You know, there was Abby Hoffman, the hipster. Remember, he was selling his book. Steal this book, please. I stole the only copy that Sid Rosenberg had of his brand new book. He was on TV shows all on Thursday without his book. 
because I stole it. Because on one page, page 27, he delivered. He said that I saved his life. If not for Curtis Lee, where Sid Rosenberg would not have survived, would not have been in the big time, would not have been at WABC. You got to buy the book of Sid Rosenberg because he doesn't have the book. I have the only copy right here. See, Sid Rosenberg, Citizens United, Salicious Spiels, Stories, Suggestions, and Solutions to Withstand a Woke World. And he doesn't even have a copy. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Look at it, page 27. It's all about me. Notice I'm, I'm almost suffering from narcissism just like him. Oh, by the way, could you have our uh, the producer of the Frank Morano show? What, what does he do during the show? He's like walking around here. He's like drooling from his mouth. Well, where is he? Oh, yeah, here he comes. Make yourself useful. I know I threw you out. I banned you from my circumference. But... Sid Rosenberg, who is part of the most dynamic morning talk show host in the nation now, number one in the nation, with his partner Bernard McGurk. They helped Diamonds in the morning for years, and then they earned their own right to become the number one uh, morning talk show program in the nation. He, he suffers from narcissism, and some people have said, I suffer from narcissism. I can barely, barely pronounce it. It took me like two hours. I got tongue-tied. I bit my tongue. So, Boy Brainiac, uh, brown nose of the Frank Morano show, Alex, could you tell me what narcissism is? Well, Curtis, narcissism is an excessive interest in or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance. Yeah, that's, that's uh, Sid, that's me. There's Boy no doubt about it. Yeah, that's Sid and that's me. He's strutting around like a peacock. I'm insane. In the brain. Can you imagine this guy, right? He's running around. He's meticulously, Natalie attired every day. It's like, it's like a GQ guy. He's saying to me, did you see my book? Did you see my book? I'm on Newsmax. I'm on CNN. I'm on Fox News. And he was. But he needed the book to hold up. I had the book because I wanted to see for myself. In fact, on page 27, does he give tribute to me for saving his life? For barging into the offices of the president of our ABC Red Apple Network, appointed by John and Margot Katsimatidis. Yes, I said it. All the other affiliates, they're just going to have to deal with it. And it is a full page about how I saved his radio life, me and me alone. So I guess that makes me narcissistic. Whatever the hell Alex, the brown-nosed producer, said. I thought I had pronounced it right. Well, live and let live. Back to the drawing board. Oh, he goes into great detail how I barged in the office, how I said, oh, you're going to hire Mike Lupica to follow Imus, and Imus is promoting Mike Lupica, not even his own team, a Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg. You can't do that. That's treachery of the worst type. I will not allow you to sign that contract over my dead body. Oh, God. Oh, this is better than sex. Ho, ho, ho. Sid Rosenberg delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know um, if you can find the book, if they have it in Brontanos. Do they have Brontanos anymore? Oh, that's right. It went Chapter 11. Uh, Barnes & Nobles, uh, they've been closing them. I used to take my kids there just to have them go running up and down the escalator. You know, just to go ahead, go ahead. And then run across traffic. Hopefully the cars won't hit you. Just leave me the hell alone. 
But uh, this is the book, Sid Rosenberg with Johnny Russo. What? Johnny Russo of The Godfather? You're kidding. Johnny Russo? You mean who Jimmy Kahn smacked around as his brother-in-law in The Godfather? Jimmy Kahn who sued me? Who sued me? Yeah, I know. You shouldn't say anything negative about the dead. My mother, Francesca, always told me that. I never listened. I got to find out. Johnny Russo is his co-pilot? Maranamai. What kind of a pig is Johnny Russo charging? Johnny Russo don't do nothing for nothing. Sid is sins united. The forward is by John Katzmatidis and Bernard McCurry. What am I, chop liver? I just been asked to do 800 words for the Daily Mail about citizen fighting back because of my appearance on the Sean Hannity show where I was urging America, if, look, the police are not being allowed to do their job, if they've been rendered impotent, if DAs would rather be defense attorneys rather than prosecutors, then we have to take the law into our own hands. I thought I'd be censored, right? I said, that's vigilantism. I said, you're damn right. You know, Sid didn't ask me to, you know, right? He didn't ask me to write anything on a matchbook, a comic book, nothing. But look, he did devote all of page 27. It's dripping in praise. I guess that proves that I'm a narcissist or whatever the hell that is. Salacious spiels, stories, suggestions, and solutions to withstand a woke world. And I have the only copy. And he's going crazy, Sid. <laughs> Knock yourself out. He's probably looking everywhere. You know, he's so meticulous. I, I know he's not resting now. He's going to come here in the morning. He's going to be catatonic. Oh, you got to get it. And do, me, do exactly what Abby Hoffman suggested you do with his book. Steal my book. Steal the book. Don't pay for it. Steal it. At fine bookstores everywhere. Be a shoplifter. Hey, in New York City, you can be a booster. You can get arrested a hundred times. You never go to jail. And this is true in cities around the country. So I'm suggesting when you go into a bookstore near you, steal this book. Sid Rosenberg, Citizens United. <clears throat> With Johnny Russo. I really want to know what kind of a big Johnny Russo is. I know Johnny Russo. I mean, you know, he's as close to a wise guy as a wise guy can be. It legit. Steal this book, please. Uh, at fine bookstores everywhere. Wouldn't that be great if all of a sudden there were like 89,000 books in the first week? It's a New York Times bestseller, but not one of the books was sold. <laughs> They were all stolen by boosters and shoplifters as they were coming out, right, of Barnes & Nobles. They were said, I have my Alvin Bragg swag bag here, and I have every last copy of Sid Rosenberg with Johnny Russo. Citizens United, <laughs> steal this book, please. I am ordering all of you to go into the few remaining bookstores and steal this book. Don't order it on Amazon. You can but then again, tell me what your address is so I can have those uh, porch thieves steal your Amazon poc- uh, package when it arrives, which they're doing all over America. Or oh, they call them porch thieves. They show up with your Amazon box, and what happens? They put it in the foyer of your building or on the porch, and a group comes by and steals it. Steal this book, please. Again, can I mention it? It's Sid Rosenberg, 
with Johnny Russo. My God, what kind of a vig is Johnny getting? It will be a New York Times hardback bestseller in which there's absolutely been no money made because all the books were shoplifted and boosted. I'm the man. Yeah, you're the man. And you're going to be scratching your bald head wondering, how the hell am I the author, along with Johnny Russo, of America's number one bestseller, and we haven't sold one book. But according to the New York Times on Sunday, we have actually, well, I guess in this case, donated 89,000 books. This is a stream of consciousness. So let me get back to Aaron Rodgers here. Remember, Aaron Rodgers was having that urge to merge with, what was that, Olivia Munn? And then Patrick, you know, the NASCAR driver, first female NASCAR driver who finished in the top ten. I think at one point she finished in the top ten of the annual uh, Indianapolis 500 uh, with the checkerboard flag. What, what, Danica? How, how would you know? What would you know? Uh, you don't follow NASCAR. D- don't tell me you're an alias. You you blaze all day outside. You know, you smoke uh, the chronic with uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. And now all of a sudden you're going to tell me how to pronounce this NASCAR driver's uh, name. By the way, he's blaming her. It was her idea to go up to Machu Picchu in the Andean Mountains to discover the glories of the old Inca Empire. And he says, you know, we passed llamas. Llamas. They were at the Neverland Ranch with uh, the pedophile on a pedestal. Remember Michael Jackson there in Santa Barbara. They went to the Temple of the Sun where the Mayans worshipped. They were 8,000 feet up. This is where the Inca emperor used to live. I know some of you have actually gone there. Because every person who is into New Age thinking... You know, with the crystals, the the Oprah Winfrey routine. They all have to go to Machu Picchu. And then another 3,000 feet up is Cusco. You see, Cusco has the best cocoa leaves. You chew it. You chew the cocoa leaves because it reduces altitude sickness. Instead of having a barf bag like you have, you know, in an airliner, and you're way up in the altitude, you just chew the cocoa leaves. And it reduces altitude sickness. It reduces fatigue, and when your stomach is growling from indigestion, you don't need R-O-L-A-I-D-S like Roger Staubach. No, that's not the quarterback I was talking about that uh, Aaron Rodgers was sitting on the bench collecting splinters for as his backup. But remember R-O-L-I... How do you spell it? R-O... I'm having a tough time here. Ever since that brown-nosed uh, producer came in here and telling me I was a narcissist uh, like Sid Rosenberg. So anyway, he's all the way up there, Machu Picchu, with, uh, what's her name again, Patrick? Uh, the NASCAR driver, you know, that he had. Yeah, and he, he wanted to be her grease monkey, you know, get underneath the hood and, you know, hey, I can be in the pit there at the Indianapolis 500. Everybody thought that they was the perfect couple. Well, like all of his girlfriends, they went their way. You think there's something wrong with Aaron Rodgers? You think so? You know, like people have said, you've been married so many times, Curtis. You think maybe you're the problem, not the women? You know, after the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth time, you figure, yeah, maybe. And 
Aaron Rodgers doesn't strike me as one who likes to hike up mountain trails, right? I bet you had somebody carry him on a ladder, you know, the, re- the remnants of the Mayan Indians. He makes $150 million. You really think he went hiking? Or do you think he had that ladder? You know, they used to, the king used to s- sit there with the queen, and the little Mayans would carry the emperor around. But he swears, he swears that it's psychedelic shack, that's where it's at. That he, now, now I want you to, you see, a lot of you guys, you frustrated guys out there, they've called me here. They've tried to hook up with some of the female callers. That guy in New Jersey who says he hasn't had sex in like eight months, he wanted me to hook him up with Gigi in Brooklyn, that perf. Look at what Aaron Rodgers writes. He goes, when I took the LSD on the mountainside, the hallucinogenic, whatever, drug. It helped me get through unconditional love of myself, which is a code word for pleasurizing himself, right? Abstinence is the cure. So if you you don't want to make babies, right, it could be a mistake, right? And then a shotgun wedding. I mean, let's face it. In that circumstance, wow, there's no prenup. Think of that. The woman is probably putting holes in his jimmy cap there, his, you know, the cap that he puts on his Johnson and praying that it's that time of the month when she's most fertile and up there in the Andean mountains with Machu Picchu, Cusco. Fertility. It's the goddess of fertility for the old Incan Indians, the Mayans. So he says that he was actually pleasurizing himself. Now he's with Dana Kapachik, and he's sitting there laying in a, a hammock and pleasurizing himself, and he says, I felt like there were a thousand hands stimulating my body, massaging me. You know, the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns uh, that the NFL said uh, perved on 60 masseuses, female masseuses. Oh, we got to have Deshaun. We got to have Deshaun uh, from Texas. He should have done this. Just gone up to Machu Picchu, taking some acid, and he wouldn't have had to perv on sixty female masseuses. And they would have, you would have thought, you're a perv, right? Put him in jail. No, he's an NFL quarterback. And in Cleveland, the mistake by the lake, we need we need we need so much help. We'll even take a perv from Texas. Go up to Machu Picchu. Guys out there, if you love to pleasurize yourself, and I understand times are hard. You go hiking. You eat the cocoa leaves, you drop some acid, and you feel like a thousand fingers are stimulating your erogenous zone. And there's no shotgun waiting, and you don't have to worry about the fact that there's no prenup. I mean, what the hell? Women are going to tell us at one point, we don't need you guys. We can clone our own. We don't need you even to voluntarily make a donation in the Petri dish. So just go up to Machu Picchu, drop some acid, pleasurize yourself, and get the hell out of my life. Oh, when we come back, I got to tell you of the battles that I had with the guru of LSD, Timothy Leary, and how he brought me to his mansion in Beverly Hills. And who did I walk in on? Dennis Hopper, who screams at Timothy Leary and says, you brought the narc in here? What the F is wrong with you? Oh, you're going to go to sleep? You're going to turn the dial? 
There's something wrong with you if you do. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Can you imagine? We've had the anniversary of Woodstock. It's fast approaching, 1969. And they had a documentary on what your your generation, so-called Matt Blaze, fugitive on the run with multiple aliases, tried to do in 1999 to recreate Woodstock. Sexual assaults, rape, robberies. People ODing. That's typical of your generation. Hey, leave my generation alone, okay, baby boomers, because we're the ones who started all this mess. And with the little bit of time that we have on this plane, we'll fix it. And if we don't fix it and we're gone, tough nuggies. It's your burden. But anyway, the great Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Remember, I stood up to Joe Rogan and Spotify. I sided. With CSNY, when they pulled their library along with Joni Mitchell, right? I stood firm because I'm loyal. Unlike some people, I'm not going to mention their names, like Frank Pavano. Uh And the reason I'm playing Woodstock is it was our generation that came out of there. It was peace, love, and happiness and dropping a hell of a lot of acid. One of the things that came out of uh, Woodstock, a half a million strong up the New York State Thruway. Rolling around like pigs in the trough with all the rain and the mud and all the great acts. That's right, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, Sly in the family stone. What the hell are you talking about, Earth, Wind, and Fire? They lit it up. Lit it up. And then remember Cynthia with the horn. Play that horn, Cynthia. Oh, so good. It was so good. But anyway, I, I, I'm digressing. So we're coming out of that whole area era, peace, love, and happiness. And they created this great debate across the nation. They've done a documentary on it, Heads versus Feds. And it starred on one side, the heads, obviously, the stoners, their guru, their god, Timothy Leary, guru of LSD. My wife, Nancy, has read his book backwards, forwards. Her brothers, they were like, oh, he's God. She had no idea that I used to debate against him and eviscerate him. I mean, eviscerate him. I would bring up Art Linkletter, and she said, who? Art Linkletter. We'd talk about how his his son jumped off a balcony because he was on LSD, and he would, like, rail against Timothy Leary. And Nancy, who's that, Art Linkletter? Well, baby boomers know who Art Linkletter was. In the afternoons, CBS, Monday through Fridays, He was the voice of American tradition. He had been a hobo during the Depression. He wrote a whole book about it. All right, obviously, this is not resonating with the hipsters and millennials. What the hell is he talking about? Okay, acid. Oh, yeah, yeah, that I know. You know, know, Grateful Dead. Jerry Garcia would actually give away tabs of acid. They put them all, all in a sheet, and they'd throw them out to the audience. And people said, please, Jerry, you missed me. Don't worry. We'll get you some acid. To listen to the crap that we play, you have to be on acid. I hate the dead. And, you know, I hate fish who pass even worse. But anyway, hey, do you have one? 
Smell like patchouli. Oh, God, it makes me want to vomit. But yeah, wait a second. I'm digressing. <laughs> so they put on this debate, heads versus feds. And they reached for G. Gordon Liddy. Now, G. Gordon Liddy was most infamous because he was the head of the plumbers of Watergate. But before that, he had been a prosecutor, Mid-Hudson Valley in Dutchess County. And he had raided the Millbrook Estate, which was the place where all the hippies came from all over the world to drop acid with Timothy Leary. And they took everybody out on a daisy chain perp walk. In fact, this guy was so obsessed with being, he was like Sergeant Joe Friday, remember with Dragnet? You know, no drugs, no drugs. He raided Bard College in 1969 and took out the guys who eventually created Steely Dan. You druggies, we should put you away forever. This guy was psycho boy. And then all of a sudden he gets hooked up with Nixon, with Watergate. And he gets sentenced to 20 years because he's the leader of the plumber's unit. And people say, you don't want to go anywhere near this guy, G. Gordon Liddy. He's toxic. Eventually, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, the Jimmy Carter. As bad as this president who once again called himself the vice president uh, today in the basement. We'll be talking about that in the 3 o'clock hour. Commuted his sentence, eight years. So here's G. Gordon Liddy. Nobody would go near G. Gordon Liddy. But the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, my mentor, the one who gave me an opportunity because he'd go away on eight cruises a year. You see, unlike Frank Morano, who wants to go on vacations, uh, for Bob Grant, it was business. He admitted, I'm a schnorrer. They pay me to go on these cruises with all the listeners that I hate, I loathe, I despise. But I love the money. And he would go on eight cruises a year and he would come back and he goes, I got to get out of here. I was stuck on board that ocean liner with all these people, these meaningless people who kept coming up to me saying, Bob, Bob, I listen to you religiously every day at three. And he would say, is your life so meaningless that all you have to do in your life is to wait around to listen to me? Get off my phone, you jerk. Get off my ship. And by the way, leave all the bacon there. You know, because let's face it, that's why you go on cruises for the bacon, you know. And Bob said, you touch that bacon, I'm going to throw you right overboard. So I got to get out of here. I got to get out. Is there some place to go? Is there some place I can get away from all of this? Exactly. So the King of Talk Radio, unlike the Frank Moranos of the world, unlike the other talk show hosts and hostesses who are insecure, neurotic, lacking self-esteem, God forbid they have to have a substitute. They want to find somebody who is like the worst talk show host in the world. Like, look. You can see where this theme songs, right? My God, what is that? Stevie B and uh, Jilly G or whatever. You know, meantime, you're pro style, right? David Crosby and Judas Priest. I, I do the other side of midnight on the weekends. I go pro style. It ain't amateur hour with Ted Mack. But anyway, I digress. So Bob Grant would have what he felt at times were better personalities than him because They were very eclectic. They had all these things to share with the audience. And he gave G. Gordon Liddy an opportunity to do a whole week. And all of a sudden, while he was away on the ship, the suits at WABC, always a dollar short and a day late, said, Wow, this guy's pretty good. Think we should take a chance signing him up? They said, Look, if we don't sign him up, somebody else is. 
So they had the contract ready. They were going to put them overnight. It's the very show that Frank Morano now does, The Other Side of Midnight, that Art Bell, that Looney Kazuni from Parts Unknown, that Alan B. Combs, we miss him so so badly. He passed away much too early in his life at time. They were going to syndicate him across the nation overnight from Watergate. They took the chance. They say, Gordon Liddy, please. And actually, they negotiated a contract that screwed him because they said, nobody wants you. Well, guess who was listening? A guy named Mel Carmazan was born in Astoria in the projects, whose father was a yellow cab driver, who became the head of Infinity Broadcasting. He calls up G. Gordon Liddy the last day he's on, right after the Bob Grant show, because he used to listen to Bob Grant. He was always trying to get Bob Grant to come over to Infinity. He goes, have you signed uh, that WABC contract? He's gone. I'm going out to dinner tonight. Don't sign it. This is my deal. Look, I, I don't have time to track you down. I have this new FM talker in D.C., JFK. I'm going to have Howard Stern on there. He's going to be in the morning. I want you in the mid-mornings. We're going to syndicate across the nation. I want you to be the linchpin, the anchor for mid-mornings. So naturally, he flipped the bird to WABC. He joined with Mel Carmazan. He was on for 30 years with 160 affiliates from an FM station, JFK. Yes, named after John F. Kennedy. You know, the age of Camelot, that nonsense, when we were brainwashed about that crap. You know, about, oh, JFK, RFK, and especially the swimmer, Ted. Oh, I killed uh, Joe M. Pekechny in the back of the car, but I want to be president. Oh, you're a Kennedy. You can run. Anybody else triple life without parole, you'll never see the light of day. And you see, what they said then was, because they were in Washington, wow, we could team him up with Timothy Leary. And they could go across the nation and debate. They did a documentary. Packed houses. This was the guy who busted Timothy Leary as the Dutchess County prosecutor. But at times, G. Gordon Liddy couldn't make the gig. So who is number two in the queue? Who is the Aaron Rodgers to what quarterback was that when he was drafted from UCAL Berkeley to the Green Bay Packers? I was a number two guy. I came off the bench. And I'll never forget we were at uh, College Park, University of Maryland, right near Landover, the field house. 4,000 stoners. They weren't there for me. They were there for their guru, Timothy Leary. And he came out. There were two people there, two holy rollers. Yes, we love you, Curtis. You're against all drugs. I said, I, let's not quite go that far. Uh, you know, I do believe in taking aspirin if I have pain. <gasps> You take a drug? Well, you know, I actually, I take Tylenol with Anvil, and that's a barbiturate. You know, dope fiends use that when they're losing their teeth in the street. And let me tell you something, you feel no pain. They looked at me like, this guy is gone. They left. So now I had no fans in the crowd. They're screaming. It was like, Jerry Swinger, Jerry. They're like, Tim, Tim. Tim. He's loving every second. And they're playing Incense and Peppermint. Please, could I have Incense and Peppermint? Which was his theme song. And he comes out, and I mean, they're going nuts. They're dropping acid. They have the tie-dyed shirts. It's Puff Puff Pass. It's sort of like the deck is stacked against me. And because we were right near FedEx Stadium of that idiot Schneider, the worst 
NFL owner in history who acted like, oh, he's so pretentious, so omnipotent. One time I went there, I was in the box with him and all the Trendoids, Freakazoids from D.C., and he said to the co-owner, Fred Drasner, who was co-publisher of the Daily News, why did you bring this urchin here? Who, uh, you know, in the future, you got to let me know when you're bringing your friends in. By the way, there was John Glenn, John Glenn, who said to Schneider, he says, that's my friend Curtis. He brought the Guardian Angels to Cleveland, you know, to Stouffer Square there. Uh, there was Congressman Model wanted to start hanging, hanging murderers. Curtis came, started the Guardian Angels. And then his wife, who was a real loony kazoony, says to John Glenn, America's astronaut, could have been president. That's, that's not Curtis Lee. That's the guy who parachuted in at the beginning of the game here in FedEx, Landover Stadium. You know, the Washington Redskins, win, lose, or draw, they put on a great show. It's not like the New York Giants. You know, they have dogs catching Frisbees at halftime. Cheapskates, the Maras. And some broken-down band, you know. I forget where the hell they're from. They're like 98 years old. They play, they play the flute. The flute. What, what was that? Uh, the, the instrument they gave us? Um, I forget what they call it. It looked like a flute. The recorder. They're going up and down playing recorders. Here it is. You're playing PSLs, whatever the hell. You got to take a reverse mortgage. They don't even have it. And they don't have any cheerleaders. Cheapskates, the Maras. But anyway, you caused me to digress. So he's on that stage and he turns to me. You narc. You see, that's what they used to call me. You're a narc in the crowd. Yeah! Should we hang him now? You know, it's like I was Vice President uh, Pence to the January 6th rabble, right? You know, they wanted to hang me. So then he says to me, down the road, right there in Landover, FedEx Stadium, one day you're going to go into the trainer's room of the Redskins. You could call them Redskins back then. Now I don't know what to call them. And you will see that the trainer will be giving out LSD. And I screamed in the microphone and I said, you are a wingding. You must have been sampling some of the LSD before you came out on the stage because you're in a drug-induced psychosis. And everyone, boo, boo. Well, look at it now. It's like 30 years later. He's in one of those Elon Musk satellites going around the world. That's another loony kazoonie. His ashes are in there. By the way, a Curtis Sliwa, movie prize. What author of that time had his ashes put into a satellite that is rotating the world as we speak? And boy, was he a loony kazini. What's the number? I, I'm not permitted to give out the number. Okay? I can't believe this. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. God. So, you know... I subbed it. Then there was Brown University. Oh, Brown, liberal, progressive. 8,000 in the field house. And they added an addition. Two against two. Curtis Lewa, narc with the feds. The former DEA chief of the Jimmy Carter administration, Peter Benzinger, who says to me before, I got two sons going to Brown. Please, Curtis, don't embarrass me. I said, well, don't get on the stage because, man, I'm dropping napalm. And who was on the other side? Obviously, Timothy Leary. And he was joined by Abby Hoffman of the Yipsters. And I mean, I tore into him. Abby Hoffman was talking about the greatness of Cuba, Fidel Castro. I said, let me tell you something, Abby. If you pulled out 
a bone and you lit it up in front of Fidel. They would drag you around his palazzo and put two bullets in the back of your head. He goes crazy. I'm a Hebrew road warrior. I know you can kick ass. I'm going to kick your ass. And all of a sudden, Timothy Leary is holding him back. It's like right out of the WWF, right? The crowd loved it. They're all stoners. Meantime, where did Peter Benzinger go? He was so humiliated. He snuck off left. And now it's two against one. We went on for three and a half hours. And you know what Timothy Leary did halfway through? He pulls out a tab of acid. He shows it to the crowd. The crowd is, give it to me. And then he ingests it. He goes, I'm going to trip the rest of the way. Because Curtis Lee was a trip, you narc. Maybe the best debate of all time. And then uh, I end up out in Los Angeles. And I'm visiting the Guardian Angels there, and we're battling against drug dealers, MS-13, near the ramparts, really bad. They made movies about that. And I get a call from Timothy Leary. Hey, I hear you're in town, man. You know, you've really done some great debates, right? How would you like to come to Reno, University of Reno? You know, you're a good human piñata. You take it well. I say, yeah, I needed money for the Guardian Angels because you get a gratuity. Absolutely. But I want you to come. I have a party tonight in my mansion in Beverly Hills. I say, really? Do you want me there? Yeah, yeah. I really want to mess with the heads of everybody who's coming to my party, especially Dennis Hopper. I said, Dennis Hopper? What, what, you, wait a second. You're not the Dennis Hopper. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. Dennis Hopper's going to be there. You know, I said, easy rider, Dennis Hopper? I said, will Peter Fonda be there? No, 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 no. I said, Dennis Hopper, a blue velvet freak that he was in that film. Apocalypse Now, Rebel Without a Cause. He said, wow, you followed his career. I said, yeah, so I walked there. I go there. I'm dropped off by the Guardian Angels. Didn't bring them in because, oh, everybody would have fled. And I walk in, and people are copulating. They're fornicating. I mean, they're not playing Parcheesi and board games, you know, like Frank Morano wants. They're dancing, you know, they're definitely, they've been dropping acid. I thought Charlie Manson and his followers would be there. You're not going to turn the radio off. You're not going to go to sleep. How could you know that I'm going to tell you how I cold busted Dennis Hopper and how he totally freaked? It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Oh, I guess I'm a narcissist, whatever the hell uh, Sid Rosenberg is. You know, you can actually hear me and see me in surround sound as I broadcast to all of you the mothership connection of the Frank Morano Network, WABC. And I'm on Fox News as we speak with the rock-ribbed all-American conservative voice of reason, Michael Buttigieg, Sean Hannity. Talking about how America must fight back by all means necessary. Look, if you're going to handcuff the cops, not let them do their job. If you're going to elect DAs who favor criminals instead of victims, then get out of our way. That's right. They call me a vigilante. Get out of our way. And people were like freaking watching that. They said, oh my God, is he Bronson in Death Wish? I said, better than Bronson. Because I took a lick and I'm still kicking. And Bronson 
Oh, he was so good. He's no longer here. But he was not. He was not at that party for Timothy Leary. You know, I'm going to permit you to play Lady Gaga here, even though I'm honoring Tony Bennett. In fact, we're going to have a special for Tony Bennett, 96 this week. On Sunday nights, 9 to 10, John Katsimatidis just says, Hey, I want a Tony Bennett hour. I say, Hey, of course, John. Without you, I'd be hanging wallpaper for a living and talking to myself. Oh, so back to the Upalats, the mansion of Timothy Leary. He's guiding me around. People are running for cover. They say, Oh, my God, he's a narc. You bring the, the narc in here. They're jumping out the windows. It's like, you know, the L.A. crash unit to his array. And then we go into a room. And who's there? Dennis Hopper. And I thought for sure he's going to freak out. He goes, you're Curtis Leary. You're that guy, the head of the Guardian Angels. I say, you're the guy in Easy Rider, right? I said, more importantly, you're the guy in Rebel Without a Cause. He said, you know that? I said, oh, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. You don't mind if I ask you a few questions? Wow, there was some synergy. Because he did not get along with a lot of people, Dennis Hopper. Somehow... He liked me, and I liked him. I said, tell me the truth. I saw you in that movie with James Dean, Rebel Without a Cause. And Sal Minio was from the Bronx. Sal, he goes, yeah, yeah. I got be honest with me. Were they homosexual? He looks at me. <laughs> he goes, out of all the things you're asking that? I said, not only that, I want to know how come Jim Backus was in there as the father of James Dean, and I know him from Gilligan's Island. He starts laughing his ass. He was already so stoned, man. He was flying. He was tripping out. He goes, can I try that Red Beret? I said, naturally. So back then, they only had the Polaroid cameras, right? So Timothy Leary comes in. Now he's flying on acid. He's taking Polaroid pictures of Dennis Hopper in my Red Beret. And Dennis Hopper is telling me about the relationship between James Dean and Sal Minio. You know, I walked in. You know, they had the trailer out there. And I said, what the hell are you guys doing? I thought you were chick magnets. Well, you know, it's lonely out here in the desert between breaks. Oh, it's great. Now, did you get this on a Frank Morano show, this kind of stream of consciousness? I mean, let's be real here. They thought I was a narc. Many of them were running away. I mean, Timothy Leary was laughing his ass off because these are people who had always come to him for the acid. Let's face it. They wanted the guru of acid. Timothy Leary is no longer here, but I would bet you that Aaron Rodgers would probably have been in that mansion if he were playing football at that time. Look at all these callers here. I have a question about Mayor Lindsay. Screw you. What the hell we told Mayor Lindsay? Look at these. These are Frank Morano listeners. God. You see, that's why I'm not going to be taking phone calls. I mean, come on. Now, on the weekends, we got the Curtis Lee listeners. Six hours, I take you to the break of dawn. That's just within 24 hours, and it's all call generated. But my mom, after I, after I give away these kind of nuggets, man, this is what documentaries are made of. This is what books are written about. America's number one vigilante in the house of the guru of LSD and being called a narc, people running, getting out of there. And the guy who's sitting down with me is Dennis Hopper, who don't get along with anybody. And we're having a conversation as to whether James Dean had a homosexual relationship with Sal Minio. 
And what was it like to be with Jim Backus, who was the father of James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause? Because I, I only know him as being in Gilligan's Island. And he's laughing his ass off, because why? He had dropped some acid. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I left my heart in San Francisco. High on a hill. Oh, remember, 24 hours ago, I was doing my mea culpas, mea culpas, mea maxima culpas to Tony Bennett, the Astoria kid, who was 96 yesterday, was recently seen being wheeled around in Central Park by Thunder Thighs, Lady Gaga. He's suffering from uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, and uh, it's, it's taking its toll on him. He... Apparently had it for a few years and was still performing. And he's singing uh, one of his all-time classics, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. This is a tribute to Nancy, I'm going to get you in a war with Red China Pelosi. Oh, my God. We'll get to that momentarily, but just to recap, if you had missed it, and shame, shame if you missed it yesterday, because you can always get it on podcast. At the flagship station of the Frank Morano Network. A lot of great podcasts at WABCRadio.com. That's WABCRadio.com. But I was talking about when I was in the Tenderloin, Lower Tenderloin, the mission in San Francisco, battling the drug dealers, the gang members. Potrero Hill, Sunnyvale. That's where O.J. Simpson grew up. The projects there. It's project... Uh, projects, but my God, you have a view of the bay that's drop-dead gorgeous. It is, without question, the most beautiful city in America, but it's been destroyed. It's been destroyed. But that's not why we're talking about San Francisco. We're talking about it because one of the congressional districts that covers San Francisco is Nancy Pelosi's, and you would think that they would launch a coup d'etat after her visit to Taiwan, a.k.a. Formosa, has, uh, if nothing more, caused grief from for the 23 million Taiwanese. But I, I'm, I'm harkens me back. I remember I was in Russian Hills going to a meeting. Community members there, very upscale she-she. They looked down on me. You know, they really didn't like me, but they needed the guardian angels of San Francisco. So I went, who did I see coming out of a restaurant there? I mean, we're talking high-end. Tony Bennett came up to me, oh, Curtis, I heard you're in town. I see that the mayor, Diane Feinstein, is giving you a hard time because she said you, you'll be hanging bodies from Polk Street. You know, gays and lesbians will have to run. And I understand the person who invited you is the head of the Gay Men's Alliance because of all the attacks on homosexuals. You know, you're a stand-up guy, Curtis. I'm proud. That you're here in San Francisco while, you know, entertaining us. Oh, man. This came from Tony Bennett. City of Joe DiMaggio, the Yankee Clipper. I mean, doesn't get any better than that. Tony Bennett, not a very tall guy. I thought, like, well, 
How come he doesn't wear lifts like almost all the other guys used to? And uh, then only years later, while broadcasting uh, post-post game Yankee baseball when we covered Yankee baseball, and the Yankees had beaten the Atlanta Braves against all odds, 1996, and the parade of heroes through the, the canyon of heroes to City Hall and Number one Yankee fan, cut his veins and arteries. He bleeds Yankee pinstripes. My uh, Kumbati Cheech, Rudy Giuliani's. Curtis, I, I want you here to do some introductions and also to broadcast for WABC. And I sat there and all the sports uh, sports nuts were upset. I'm sure Sid Rosenberg was upset with me then because, you know, he was a sports nut. Like, what the hell is he doing here? And then the Pope, Francis of uh, WFAN, said, that's my friend Curtis. Okay, he's, he's earned the right to be here. Uh, who else of you have, got, have been shot five times with hollow point bullets by the Gottis and Gambinos? They were all like uh, little, you know, little pishes, little schmendricks. Uh, the Pope, I'm anointing him. So I got a chance to broadcast. Tony, Tony Bennett was asked to uh, sing the national anthem through a changeup. He threw a Steve Hamilton folly floater. And he sang America the Beautiful instead. And then I heard the rumors. You know how you hear those rumors that even though he's a war hero, served in the Battle of the Bulge, came back, really scarred by the experience. But a lot of people said he was not only anti-war, but he was anti the administration, anti-Rudy. You know, he was a hardcore Democrat. No doubt about it, but he was there to sing. And he sang America the Beautiful and I just repeated what I had heard, that he never sings the national anthem because he really hates America. How stupid, right? I mean, what a stupid And we, we were broadcasting across the nation. We were the Yankee station. It was me, anointed by the Pope, Francesca. Oh, God. And so Tony Bennett hears about this and comes over to me and said, Curtis, how could you do this to me? Don't you realize that I sing America the Beautiful now because I can't hit those high notes of the national anthem anymore. I got to save the pipes. I felt, oh my God, what a double disgraziata, what a double shanda. I never made it up to Tony Bennett. He was really disappointed uh, with me later on. St. George Theater, they had rehabbed it in the North Shore of Staten Island, an amazing theater. I went to see him there. He was the opening act. Yeah, he was nice, but it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. I could see. It wasn't like him on Russian Hill when he was really, really like, I broke his heart. I broke his heart. And John Katzmatidis, uh, owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right. That's right, I said that on the National Frank Morano Network. Oh, you can't mention, uh, you know, the affiliates may get upset. Are you kidding? I'd love to be affiliated with WABC. It's the place for everybody to be. There are men and women plying their craft out there, working hard as talk show hosts, talk show hostesses, behind the scenes, board operators, telephone talent coordinators, or what I call phone screeners. Oh, my God. And even brown-nosed producers like Alex, they dream of coming to WABC. Why wouldn't we mention that? 
Oh, because it's a tease? Like, oh, look at where we are. Look at where you are. That's nonsense. And, you know, John texted me. He's the cat man. And he said to me, Sunday night, 9 o'clock, we're doing a Tony Bennett special for his 96th birthday. I said, only one request. None of that Lady Gaga stuff. Please, that diluted him. Uh, you know, I like Lady Gaga. I was the first to play Lady Gaga on AM radio. I caught grief from it, for it. I wasn't one of her little monsters. No, 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 no. Although apparently her father took umbrage to the fact that I called it Thunder Thighs. Guy who owned a big joint in Grand Central, big restaurant. Uh, said he was going to punch my nose right down my throat. Yeah, buddy. I said, no, no, no. It's his daughter. I, I, I should not have disparaged her, right? And John, listening as he and his wife, Margot, do. I mean, really, like my wife, she texted me after coming from Hannity, and she said, you must be delirious. You can't be awake this many hours without being delirious. I, you, know, you know, I do what Aaron Rodgers does, right? None of your BIP business, right? Knocks off the fatigue. That's John. That's Margot. They were up 24 7, 3, 6, 5. Hey, take a little cat nap. Get it? Cat nap. And then they're back at it. And he texted me and he says, I never knew that about you and Tony Bennett. You know, we're going to do a special hour, a tribute to Tony Bennett. And, by the way, for all of you radio purists about this thing of ours, especially in the golden age of radio, we're doing a tribute. To Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, one of the greatest of all time. I consider him the G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time, because unlike a lot of others in Top 40 Radio, you know, they would be out the door, like 10 uh, let's say their shift was 6 to 10, like, yeah, Harry Harrison, the mayor of the morning, 10-01, he's out the door. I'm too busy to be dealing with uh, people who want to advertise. Hey, no ticky, no washy, no talky, right? They didn't care as long as the check didn't bounce. Cousin Brucey, different, man. Cousin Brucey was the best. He'd get on the phone after he would do his show. Obviously, he had to do it before show because he was on at night. He'd call up the CEO of Macy's, right? Macy's, the big advertiser at that time. He said... Not for nothing, but how come you don't advertise on WABC? Because I take out 20 pages in the Daily News. I used to take wheelbarrows full of cash to the Daily News when newspapers were king. Because, look, I I just want a little piece of that. I'm not a pig. I'm not a Hazarai. Could I take you out to lunch? And the CEO, Cousin Bruce, wants to take, of course. And Cousin Brucey would regale him with stories, and he'd bring his whole staff, right? Oh, Cousin Brucey. And they'd say, yeah, how come we don't advertise on WABC? And Cousin Brucey, it wasn't about I and me, just my show. He wanted the business for the whole station, for this thing of ours that we love so much. Nobody has ever been better at going out there and generating business. Without advertising, there is no radio. I'm sorry, I know a lot of you. Hey, go, go to NPR. Because we pay for that, us taxpayers. That's why you don't hear advertising. Or go to the uh, satellite, right? The Elon Musk satellite out there. Try the digital 3659 on the disquantificator and conflate this. It takes you a half hour to get to the station. This is all free, right? But a price has to be paid. Cousin Brucey, 
after he'd go to Macy's, he'd then go to Bamberg's, call up the, hey, you know, I just met with this. Oh, what? You're advertising with you? Oh, well, c- please consider us. And then Cousin Brucie would say, and let me tell you this, I'm not just here to take your money and pick your pockets. They appreciated that. These are hardcore businessmen. You need me at an event, a ribbon cutting. You need me at a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, a communion, a baptism, a confirmation. The cousin will be there. Oh, not Frank Morano. I didn't get invited to the baptism of little Carmine. No, no, no. But if Frank had asked Cousin Brucey, he would have been there. That's the kind of guy he is. I mean, he is radio through and through. And you would have thought, oh, wow, he's been doing this for like a century. And then the cat man put the signal out. Come home, cousin. Come home. To WABC, your place to be. And the shirach was done, the match. And I remember when he came here in the studios so long away. And he came in the studio after he went to a phalanx of all of us who were like fans. You know, high-fiving him. He goes, Curtis, come here. Two Brooklyn boys. He goes, roll up your sleeves. I said, welcome. I got it. He didn't know he shoots drugs, right? Because <laughs> really probably adrenaline. He's like, what? He's getting up there, right? He challenged me to an arm wrestling match because he's proud of his physique, how strong he is. And, you know, he beat me in arm wrestling and everybody's watching. And they filmed it. But, you know, losing to Cousin Brucey, I could deal with that. A Brooklyn guy through and through, and we're doing a tribute to Cousin Brucey as part of our documentary season, uh, season here at WABC because this soon will be our 100th anniversary. Started WJZ in Newark when Westinghouse had a factory and they were making radios, and the CEO said to the CFO, to the COO, we're making all these radios, and they're like, like almost no radio station, so they say, bingo, let's create our own radio station. Right there in Down Neck, uh, not far from uh, the Portuguese section, the Ironbound section. And do you know where the first radio station, WJZ, was our, our parent station? It was a chicken coop on top of the factory. In order to get there and broadcast, you had to go up a ladder, come down a ladder. And then eventually, like all the other radio stations that started in Newark, yeah, yeah, WOR, Women's Only Radio, was in Bamberger's. I forget which gambling. Uh, the great, 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 great grandfather of gambling broadcast from Bamberger's on Broadway Market when Newark competed with New York City. And then the riots, and you know the rest of the story. Used to have more Cadillac dealerships per capita per person in any city in America, more than Detroit off the assembly line. My, my uncle, Savine, Ralphie, Vincenzo, get a new Cadillac every year. You know, turn in the old El Dorado, the Fleetwood, get a new one, Newark, New Jersey. After the riots, you couldn't even buy a used Cadillac in Newark. You, you, you can't miss this special. And, and if you can't listen to it at 9 o'clock, you got to go to the podcast. There's so many great programs on WABC. I am telling you, we, we keep the tradition of radio alive. That is the wish of Margot and John Katsimatidis. It's like all of these things that have been forgotten, all of these things that have been buried in the recesses of your attic or your basement or 
the last embers in your medulla and cerebellum because it brings you such joy. Your memories as a child or a young adult growing up have all been revived. So you don't want to miss the tribute to Cousin Brucey. It's Saturdays if you want to listen to it live, 4 to 5, East Coast time. Right after I do uh, Left versus Right with Anthony Weiner, although it was up to Frank Morano, he'd muscle me out and put in that guy. What did he call me, uh, that Joe Borelli? Uh, what did he call me? Just trying to this think. is the guy who's an ingrate. Call me an ingrate. This is the guy who's an ingrate. God. And you know, it sounds like inbred. Are you, are you sure, you know, the brown nose producer, Alex, said ingrate, right? It sounded to me. Could you play that one more time? This is a guy who's an ingrate. Said I'm inbred. Oh, that, that was a fighting words. What do you think? I come from a line of three-eyed cousin fornicators in a trailer park in nowhere America? God, guys. Joe Borelli, he's an Eric Adams Republican. I've launched war on Eric Adams Republicans, right? We're going to be talking about him in the next hour. The hip-hop mayor, right? The guy who says, ah, so I smile while, while New York City is burning. I'm like Nero playing the fiddle. God. This is who Frank Morano's friends like Joe Borelli, Republicans, like now, right? God. But I want you to all know we're having a special tribute to Tony Bennett, and we're not playing Lady Gaga. No, no, not that, not that stuff. You know that that diluted him. That that's not the Tony Bennett. That's not the pure Tony Bennett who came out of his story, a humble man. He actually founded the Frank Sinatra High School of Performing Arts in Astoria. He didn't demand that they call it Tony Bennett. Frank Sinatra was from Hoboken. He wasn't from Astoria. Tony Bennett is everybody know, hey, that's us. You know, Hoboken is Frank. He said, no, no, no. You know, I'm not Frank Sinatra. I know who I am, and I'm not Frank Sinatra. He said, Frank Sinatra, the G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time. He goes, I'm no Frank Sinatra. It should be named after Frank Sinatra. That's what makes me feel so bad, how I disparaged him. I'm going to have to carry that to my grave. And I can't have a conversation with him anymore. The other day he was in Central Park. You know, my my wife had it on that Citizens app. You know, normally it reports crime. We live right there. But it was like, Tony Bennett's in Central Park. He's in a wheelchair. Lady Gaga's wheeling him around. He doesn't look too good. He's running all over. Boathouse, you know, they're closing that. I figured they went there. Couldn't find him. People would tell, you just missed him, Curtis. You just missed him. I wanted wanted to apologize. I, I I. I'm going to have my opportunity Sunday night, 9 o'clock. Cats uh, and Matitis are going to give me that chance, the cat man. <sighs> oh, oh uh, I digressed. Uh, you see our president earlier today? Uh, well, what basement was he in? I, I don't know. He was having some kind of conference, you know, uh, some kind of video conference, Zoom conference with the CEOs of uh, the car companies, not Elon Musk, you know, but uh, Ms. Barra, you know, from uh, GM. And this is what our president, feeble, getting more disconnected, supposedly still recovering from COVID-19, had to say. I, I did, I must admit, in total disclosure, I've, I've spoken to the chairwoman about the possibility of my being able to buy one of those Corvettes that are electric vehicles. That, uh, you know, when they come out, uh, 
and I'm not going to be able to do it because I can't drive a vehicle while I'm vice president, while I'm president anymore than I could when I was vice president. But I think we can change the face of the country. I mean, he calls Harris, giggles Harris, the president, and he refers to himself as vice president. Hey, man, he's shot. And for him, this is a mid, 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 midlife crisis because he already has a Corvette Stingray. I don't know if people, but it's a gas guzzler. It's not an electric version. Uh, GM doesn't have that yet. But the moment you said Corvette, the moment the president of the United States said Corvette, I bet you I know what he was thinking because he, he goes throwback. 77 Sunset Strip. 77 Sunset Strip. 77 Sunset Strip 77 Sunset Strip A street that wears a fancy label It's glorified in song and fable Every Friday night people pass you I think it was on about 9 o'clock What a great show Sunset Strip about 1958 to 1964. You know, it was about two PIs. You know, chick magnets. These guys, they're like constantly attracting the chicks. Because why? They were in the Corvette, right? Convertible. And then you had that kooky guy. He was a real kooky cutter guy. He was about doing the valet parking at the Dino's Lodge. Dino's Lodge, get it? Dina Martin, who does the Dean Martin show Sundays from 8 to 9. Afterwards, we're going to have the Tony Bennett tribute. She does that every week. But that was the Dean Martin Lounge. I don't think people realize that. Dino's Lounge, the cookie. A very eccentric uh, young man with a very eccentric, very different kind of a Ford car. Like an old roadster. We do valet parking. Oh, it was a great show. Oh, was it Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. before he became director of the FBI, remember? Taking over for that perv, J. Edgar Hoover. Would be wearing a dress when he would come visit his friend, Cardinal Spellman, at the Archdiocese in the rectory. We talk about, oh, you know, you got these drag queens talking to kids. Those guys were drag queens. They were like old hags. Oh, hey, let's put on a dress. God. Anyway, you cross me to digress. I'm thinking back now. It was so good. I'm thinking Ephraim Symbolist Jr. was the one P.I. But then there was the other P.I. I'm trying to remember what his name was. Chick Magnus. What, what, what's the name? I can't keep the number. You know, the orders here. You guys are like slaves, indentured servants to Frank Morano. You can't, you can't do anything by yourself unless he gives you the okay. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. And there's no doubt in my mind that, no doubt in my mind, that's probably what Joe Biden was thinking about when he talked to the uh, CEO of GM, Ms. Barra, was talking about an electric-powered Corvette Stingray. He already has one. Maybe he doesn't know. <laughs> remember that he has Oh, my God. He is in really bad shape. Why don't we come back? We got to talk about his substitute, his replacement. The other one who's in bad shape, Nancy Pelosi, how she almost started World War III. And now she's left 
and Taiwan is in a blockade with rockets going over. And President Xi saying, you'll pay for that, my little pretties. You'll pay for that, my little pretties. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Well, I see our new talent, uh, telephone coordinator, Ray, who replaced my guy, oh, Ryan. You figure, total waspy name, Ryan, right? He, he's like, oh, oh, Gangnam Style, oh. Number one in Seoul, Korea with a bullet, right? With kimchi. Now, you must be wondering, why am I playing this song? which was the number one song for a long time coming right out of Seoul, Korea. Not behind the kimchi curtain of the evil seat of Kim Jong mentally ill in North Korea, South Korea. Well, after uh, Nancy Pelosi set it off for the Taiwanese, a.k.a. those from Formosa, 23 million, that's all they got there. She leaves total chaos. I'll get to that momentarily. And so she goes to South Korea. You know, south of the DMZ. She's supposed to meet with President Yoon. Well, all of a sudden, uh, Yoon decided to take a vacation. And so instead of meeting personally with Yoon, she uh, had to go to his telephone uh, talent coordinator and speak to him on the phone because he didn't want to enrage the Red Chinese. So he said, let's talk by phone. She goes, don't you know I'm Nancy Pelosi? I stood up to the red Chinese menace. I went to Taipei and Taiwan. I stared across the Formosa Sea. And he said, that was called that in the 50s, lady. Oh, okay. You mean the South China Sea. I stared at President Xi. I could see him out of my window there in the hotel in Taipei. And I didn't blink. And she's going on and on. She she has a set now. You know, she has a set of culions, right? Meantime, you know what's going on in Taiwan? They got the greatest naval armada surrounding them since the Spanish armada, the 130 ships that went to invade England. Wait, forget the Spanish armada uh, where Frank Morano lives and that um, guy who called me, what was that? He, he said I was uh, an ingrate. Or what this was? is a guy who's an ingrate. An ingrate. Sounds like inbred to me. Uh, Joe Borelli, he lives out there. And there was a time 
when you had a few people out there and they were looking out and they saw what was the greatest armada ever assembled, the Brits. They had sent over 160 ships moored off of the south shore of Staten Island, Tottenville. They were coming ashore, the Redcoats, the Hessians, and the Brits in their Redcoats, 32,000 ready to take out George Washington, and they all had an X-Lax attack. And so they run, they run, they tell George Washington, they go across the Straits of the Verrazano, not called that then, of course, and they say, General Washington, there's like 50,000 Brits there in the Hessians. He goes, have you been dropping acid like Aaron Rodgers and Timothy Leary? No, no, they're coming, they're coming uh, from Staten Island. And then there was a fog, and he looked and he said, Man, I didn't drop any acid. We better get the hell out of here. And they did just in the nick of time. So they got this blockade around Taiwan now. They got an armada. They're shooting missiles over Taiwan. They got bombers invading the territorial space of Formosa. They got jet fighters. They're itching for a battle. And where the hell is Nancy Pelosi? Oh, oh, I stared down President Xi. From my hotel room in Taipei, I could see the whites in his eyes. Maybe she was taking acid. Is, is she a narcissist? Oh, look who's invading my space, son. Brown Nose producer for the Frank Morano Show. What's that name again that me and Sid and now Nancy Pelosi is, uh, what, what are we, what do they call that? Oh, uh, narcissist. Narcissist. You, you, Sid Rosenberg, you're narcissists. And Nancy Pelosi. Well, right? yeah, too. Yeah, her too. And look, I will say, Curtis, that I'm very glad you're talking about Nancy Pelosi because that is a national topic. However, you know, Frank, he's really mad that you're not talking about monkeypox. He's, like, texting me constantly about how, you know, you should be talking about monkeypox. It's a huge deal, and I just wish you would say something about it. Okay, you want me to talk about monkeypox? Do me a favor. Get the hell out of here, huh? I'm a monkey! I'm a monkey! I'm a monkey! This is the theme song for monkeypox. You can let Frank Morano, that Mama Luke, uh, know I was talking about it before anybody else saying, guess how you get it? It's sex between men and bisexuals. The transmission of body fluids. Oh, you could be laying in a sheet, you know, you could be breathing the same air. Not. There's one solution. App. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Give me this. Give me this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abstain. If you abstain, that's the cure. Until everybody is vaccinated who wants to have sex with a man, right? Not women, men, you know, I I don't know. By the way, now that we're uh, playing this uh, Rolling Stones classic, Monkey Man, Ronnie Wood, how old is he? Uh, He's on his Depends tour there with the Stones. He must be about 75. Mickey, 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 79. And Keith Richards, who, if he doesn't have monkey packs, has probably had every STD sexually transmitted disease in the history of the Board of Health. I'm surprised he didn't have the Al Capone disease. (laughs) Syphilis. 
He's got the spike in his arm now. Instead of just heroin, he's probably got fentanyl. And he's alive. They just finished their tour in the most decadent, debaucherous city in the world, Berlin. And so now all of a sudden they're telling us we have to watch their new docuseries. It supposedly gets in-depth about their Depends tours and all their groupies who are in their 50s and 60s. Mickey, Mickey, the button popped off on your trouser. God. Oh, God. Hey, you want monkeypox? Hey, you brown-nosed uh, producer. I just gave you the monkeypox update. Yes. The CDC director, Dr. Fauci, when are you going to retire? Oh, I'll retire when when Biden retires. Oh, God. Has now declared monkeypox is a national emergency. Now, for most of you listening, doesn't affect you. But, oh, oh yeah, that's right. National emergency. So now we're all going to have to wear masks, socially distance, right? Little children, three years old, going back to pre, 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 pre K, they're going to have to wear masks all the time because of monkeypox. Wait a second. Am I going to have to get vaccinated for monkeypox? I swear I won't have sex with a man or a bisexual. I swear. Now, maybe encouraged if all of a sudden I am forced by HR to have to sit because a man dressed like a woman is going to come in, a drag queen, and read to us bedtime stories with Bonzo. It may suddenly entice me, induce me. I may all of a sudden determine that with 72 different gender forms to choose from on that given day at that moment, staring at that hairy guy who's got on a wig, who's wearing nylons with a rip in it, who's reading me bedtime stories with Bonzo. And all of a sudden, I have a lust for a man who looks like a woman. Huh? You know, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Get the hell out of here. Oh, by the way, uh, that happened in a church, a very exclusive high school they had during uh, Gay Pride Month. They had, um, you know, like Milton Berle types coming in, drag queens. By the way, we all grew up with Milton Berle. Every week he was in drag. Oh, but I'm a man. You know, I think you sort of, you dabbled. You know, you dabbled. Like J. Edgar Hoover and Cardinal Spellman running around with dresses on. Come on. Oh, my God, drag queens reading stories. It's the end of the world. Are you kidding? Almost every male actor in Hollywood is put on a dress. Pretended to be a woman, right? Even Stallone. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, in a dress. Yeah, yeah, dresses, right? I think of all the actors who are put on dresses. Do you think it's because they were just playing a role or... Maybe, just maybe, they wanted to tempt fate and see what it was like to be a drag queen and read stories in libraries to children with young, supple minds. Isn't that Curtis, the head of the Guardian Angels? You know, the guy with the red... Why is he wearing a red beret as a drag queen reading bedtime stories for Bonzo? You never know. You know, we're going to be talking about that in the 4 o'clock hour. Demi Lovato has gone through the 72 chambers of gender identification. Maybe Wu-Tang Clan can make a new album. 
72 chambers of gender identification and your choice to be who you are, what you are at any given day. And people must respect that. So there may come that day that I reach into my inner child and I decide, you know, what do I have in my, my bucket? You know, things I haven't done in my life, right, before, my, before it's over, before it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I've never been a drag queen. My Kumbada Cheech, Rudy Giuliani, right? He's a drag queen on Saturday Night Live. Do we forget? The inner circle, right? The annual gathering of reporters where, you know, they lampoon the mayor and then the mayor comes back and he was in drag. By the way, he did have a run in his nylons. I remember seeing that. And he had those barbie pins flying all over. And then remember, Donald Trump came up to him. Remember, he was dressed in drag Saturday Night Live. Get over it, America. Some of our most iconic performers have been in drag. And then once they said, take, that's it, wrap for the day. Hey, Eddie Murphy, wh- why are you going out dressed as a woman? Don't you want to go and change? Oh, I feel so much better because I can identify as a drag queen right now. You know what they said about Eddie? Uh, by the way. Jersey Joe Piscopo, I remember the skit they did on Saturday Night Live. Did he shave his his legs with nair? There's Jersey Joe had no hair on his legs. He's a hairy guy. You know, he's Italian. Italians got hair. I saw him throw a shot a leg out there with Eddie Murphy. They were all dolled up, you know. Jersey Joe was liking it. You know, I approached him the other day because he hosts a show Sundays, 4 to 6, the Sinatra Extravaganza. I said, Jersey Joe, speaking of uh, drag queens, hey, Piscopo, you and uh, Eddie Murphy, you did that drag queen routine. You seem to have been liking it. He said, you're not going to tell anybody about that. I'm like an elephant. I never forget but I'm not a Eric Adams Republican elephant. No, no, no. Like so many of those who tread toes out there. We'll be talking about that up next. So you caused me to digress. Uh, here it is. You, you got me totally off track here. It's talking 77, Sunset Strip, Cookie, you know, Corvettes, gas guzzlers. I remember filling up the Corvette Stingway. You opened it up in the back when I used to pump gas at Rockies, Shell Station, Rockaway Parkway. CBU Avenue, and you know, blah, 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 blah. you'd open up the back, you'd actually see the high, had to be high test, leaded, of course. I love the smell of leaded high test. Probably knocked out my brain cells, which is quite obvious now. And remember, we had high test, leaded high test, we had regular leaded, and then we had no leaded regular, nobody bought back then. This is during the gas crisis, you know, after the the invasion of Israel, the sneak attack. You know, they had Anwar Sadat there with his tanks coming through the Sinai. You had the Syrians, even had the Iraqians. And the Israelis repulsed them. Why? Because Richard Nixon saved Israel. Yeah, he doesn't get credit for that. Henry Kissinger says, I told him, you know, I was the righteous Jew. No, you weren't. You were asleep at the wheel. And then all of a sudden, remember? That's it. They turned off the spigots. Our fair weather friends, the fake, phony, fraudulent house of fraud, the Saudis with their mustaches and beards, you know, and the schmatas on their heads. Uh, and the Shah of Iran, remember, he was our friend, right? We gave him sanctuary. Uh, 
Wow, the memories are coming back. Even though, you know, if you were a huffer, if you sniffed airplane glue like some of the guys did in the schoolyards, in the recesses of the schoolyard, yeah, you had the paperback. And you had these big veins popping from your nose. You know, you look like... uh, you look like you had the Jake leg, you know, he all of a sudden had rum rouge. Boy, you open up that high test. Ah, it's better than airplane glue. I think it killed some of my brain cells back then. And what the hell was I talking about? You really caused me tonight. It was that high test. Oh, the Corvette, that's right. You would go like you get a mile and a half on a gallon of high test, the Corvette. You know, it's like a Muscle car. That's why. Wait, hold on. Stop. 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 Let's go back to uh, Papa Chulo, our President Joe Biden, somewhere in the basement of his uh, summer home in uh, Delaware. I want to hear Joe Biden, what he said about his mid, 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 mid life crisis and why he wanted a electrified Corvette Stingray. I, I did. I must admit, in total disclosure, I've. I've spoken to the chairwoman about the possibility of my being able to buy one of those Corvettes that are electric vehicles, that, uh, you know, when they come out. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do it because I can't drive a vehicle while I'm vice president, while I'm president, any more than I can when I was vice president. But I think we can change the face of the country. I know now, because he knows he's weak, he's feeble, he exudes weakness. That's why the red Chinese figure they could smash us to smithereens along with Putin in Mother Russia. He wants a muscle car, right? What does every guy need who's considered a schmendrick, a pisher, a guy with no uh, no culiones, no wables? Hey, muscle car, put him in a muscle Pontiac GTO, right? Firebird, me, me. You know, the Plymouth Firebird. Muscle car. Oh, yeah, that's a macho man. You were considered macho when you had a Corvette Stingray, right? Eating up all that high test, one and a half miles per gallon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rockies. You know, I pumped gas all night long. I was the overnight guy. The other side of midnight, that was me. Rocky, who did. Seven years in Allenwood, federal pen for, um, well, he was printing currency. They called it counterfeiting, at least the Treasury agents and the FBI did. He did seven years. He came back from Allenwood, and he had the uh, gas station, courtesy of the Lucchese's and Paul Ivario. And he had bulletproof glass because he owed so many of those guys money before he went away to Allenwood. And he made me the nighttime manager. That's right. And then the Russians would come in with the hijacked gasoline, you know, in the, in the, in the uh, trucks, the 18-wheel tractor trailers. No marks. I said, this is a shell station. Where are your marks, Igor? Igor, don't ask questions. I'm pumping it in. You know, Rocky knows about this. I say, you want me to put the stick in there to, to let you know how much? He goes, you ask too many questions, kids. It was hijacked gasoline. Right? They come in. You know, they, they have the container trucks. And they'd be pumping. No markings on the container. It's a shell station. What the hell am I talking about? I'm, I'm like all over the map. Oh, yeah, that's right. Talking about macho man, muscle man. He wears those uh, T-shirts. Uh, Zelensky in the Ukraine, right? I'm out there. Take on Putin. I'll take on all those riskies. 
What the hell was that Vogue magazine shoot with him and his wife? In the middle of a war, right? Putin is saying, I'm going to turn Ukraine into a glass highway. This guy had time for a Vogue magazine shoot? Do you know how many shots the photographers have to... Wait, the lighting isn't just... Hold on. I know the air raid uh, drill has gone on here, but no, no, you got to stand still for this. You're going to be on the, the cover of Vogue. Oh, that's what I need, that song there. Who is that? RuPaul, Rand Paul, Ron Paul, whatever. The cover of Vogue, three snaps up. What the hell is up with Zelensky? And then we send all these weapons, and I'm hearing about cargo container airplanes crashing all over the world with all the high-grade weaponry we send to the crooks in the Ukraine who then reroute it and send it to Serbia and other parts while they're getting money, right? What the hell? Yeah, I know what's going on. I'm a street-smart guy, right? The guy, Zelensky and his wife, had time to do a Vogue magazine shoot. And how many gazillions of dollars are we sending over there? And, and now because of that, like, Europe is going to be paying $10 trillion for a watt of electricity in the winter. It's going to bankrupt them. And we're doing this all for who? Zelensky, the king of all comedy? Remember, he was a comedian. He sat there with Trump, right? He was a... Now he's, oh, Winston Churchill. It's in the middle of a war, Putin is saying... I will turn you into a glass highway. Oh, but Putin, he's got blood cancer, brain cancer. You know, he's shaking like a leaf. Look at him, shaking like a leaf. Just like Yasser Arafat in its waning days, Janet Reno, Muhammad Ali. Then all of a sudden, the CIA criminals in action say, well, we were wrong. Our diagnosis now is he's going to live forever. <laughs> what, the, what, what are we doing over there? Can, can, we're subsidizing a Vogue magazine shoot in the middle of a war of attrition between the Russians who are crooks and the Ukrainians who are crooks. By the way, uh, who was exonerated? Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani, was accused of being a lobbyist, illegal lobbyist to the Ukrainians. Remember, they raided his house, took out all of his tech, took his cell phones. They said, Rudy's going, going, gone. Remember? Were any of you standing outside of his apartment giving him tactical air support? No. They were telling me in the midst of my mayoral campaign, stay away from him. Stay away from him. He is toxic. They said, no, no, that's my kumbada chich. He endorsed me, and I crushed Mateo, who had Lieutenant General Flint. Hey, you have Flint. I got Rudy. And then he stood with me the rest of the way, and now he's been exonerated. Is there a window he can go to to get back his honor after he was so besmirched and dishonored by the FBI forever busting Italians and the U.S. attorney of the Southern District that he used to be the head of busting more mobsters, choking on their their lobsters than any other attorney general in the history of America? It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
I told you, man. I don't want to hear it, Alejandro. It's so lame. Matt Blaze, fake name, alias. I thought you were a booker boy, right? They studied Torah, right? Talmud, and then with a name like Blaze, what are you hiding? You a white-collar criminal, right? Might as well play uh, Lady Gaga here, Alejandro. Look, look at these calls. That, that's why I'm not going to the call base. These are Frank Morano callers, right? They're like special ed. Oh, Tony Bennett wasn't wasn't as good as Vic Damone. Vic Damone, yeah. Vic Damone was good. He had good pipes, came out of Bensonhurst. By the way, what black actress did he marry when he had jungle fever before I had jungle fever and married a black woman back in 1972? For a courtesy of a booby prize, but I can't give the numbers. Ah, oh, this is so frustrating. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Look, Victor Moan was good. I, I, I grant you. But he wasn't Tony Bennett. I'm sorry. And I'm not going to try to convince the cat man that we need an hour. For Victor Moan. I mean, he had the pipes. He came out of Bensonhurst. There's no doubt about it. But he was no Tony Bennett. Look at this. You've told the Loch Ness story 25 times. I can't believe this. 25 times. There's probably not a Loch Ness monster there. There's probably not a pleasing story Loch Ness. Make that 26, schmuck. They saddled me with that interview. Uh, Frank Morano. Oh, you have to do interviews. And then they had uh, Jennifer Gratis. Oh, she's celebrity booker. She's got the guy who knows all about the Loch Ness Monsters. In fact, the guy ends up telling me, oh, I was in Morocco. I said, what, for the Marrakesh Express to get some hash? No, no, to find the Loch Ness Monster. And then what did he tell me? There's probably not a Loch Ness Monster there. There's probably not a pleasing sort of Loch Ness. Chewing too much hash in the sook. Look, look at this. Has a question about Harry Harrison. Yeah, yeah, Harry Harrison. He's calling from South Carolina. I hated Harry Harrison. First of all, he, he called himself mayor of New York City. The guy didn't live in New York City. Oh, wait, he makes a good point. Eric Adams doesn't live in New York City. He lives in Fort Lee. Like Harry. Yeah, apartment 22H. Yeah. By the way, he was at Club Zero Bond tonight like he is every night. Uh, we're going to give you an update on the hip-hop mayor. And he's so angry that people are upset that he smiles all the time. Well, what the hell? The city's falling apart. It's like Nero playing his fiddle when Rome is burning. Uh, yes, yes. You know, I walk around with swag in my pocket because I like to share it. God, get Harry Harrison, 6 to 10 in the morning, right? Out the door. I'm not doing nothing more. Meantime, Cousin Brucey, we're doing a special on the greatest of all time, Bruce Morrow. He went out. He got business for the station. He kept this thing of ours alive. And we will always, always be grateful to Cousin Brucey and the pioneers, a Brooklyn kid himself. Oh, yeah. Because he cherished this thing of ours. Harry Harrison didn't. He was out the door doing the bird. Oh, you want advertising? Let some other schlub go get advertising. Hey, I would have said Harry Harrison. That's your freaking job.
This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. a swagger man who has no plan. He waits for the night, not to fight crime, not to visit precincts, not to ride the subway, but to go to Club Zero Bond, as he did just hours ago, where he raises the roof of private men's club. No, excuse me, private club. Men, women, transgenders, or one of 72 different gender identifications that you may have. You're welcome as long as you pay the fee. Because whatever happens behind those closed doors of Club Zero Bond stays there. And if you want to see the mayor, you get to wine, dine, and pocket line him. And uh, that's where he holds court. Because he said, I am the mayor of nightlife. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, you know, I walk around with swag in my pocket because I like to share it. <laughs> His approval rating is lower than Joe Biden's. He's at 29%, and today he was befuddled. In fact, what I want you to do uh, here, and I know this may be difficult for you, Matt Blaze, uh, you've been a little dysfunctional because uh, it's a Frank Morano on the other side of midnight, I get it. I don't want you to play the cut of him being the hip-hop mayor. We'll play that momentarily. I want you to play the cut of him talking about why people don't understand why he smiles a lot and he laughs a lot. And, you know, he's having a good old time. While our city is sinking into the abyss, while crime is escalating to levels that Bill de Blasio never had that part-time mayor, that dope from Park Slope, who took a Miley Cyrus uh, wrecking ball to the city that we love. Did anyone in their wildest mind think that he would be worse than Bill de Blasio? I ran against him. I thought, well, anything would be better than Bill de Blasio. Not. A lot of people just start their day with saying, let me see what I can think hateful about. You know, I start my day of saying, wow, I'm lucky to be the mayor of New York City, you know. So I'm excited. I'm happy. You know, I'm amazed at people, how much people are upset that I'm happy that I'm mayor. (laughs) 
Uh, why are you laughing all the time? Why you enjoy being out all the time? Why you like being around people? Why you do? I like being mayor. I wanted to be mayor. I'm mayor. I want the job that comes with it, and I want to be able to respect my employees by knowing. <laughs> so he went on to say this because remember he declared himself to be the Biden of Brooklyn. So Politico, that's all over his jockstrap, you know, that's the one publication that doesn't doesn't get misdirected or misled like all the other dopey white reporters out there, including our own Frank Dietz, Dietz or whatever the hell his name is. We'll get to him momentarily. But um, apparently what he does, just like Joe Biden, he has pictures of all of his deputy mayors. And vice deputy mayors. And so when he goes into a meeting, he has a cardboard cutout with all of their pictures and names on it, like his hero, Joe Biden. That's why he calls himself the Biden of Brooklyn. Now, he collects the headshots. Of his key personnel in City Hall, so he doesn't forget them. <laughs> well, if you spent more time in City Hall instead of at Club Zero Bond at night in nightclubs and being the mayor of nightlife and going from one ribbon cutting to another ribbon cutting and actually be in City Hall and doing the work of the mayor, maybe you'd, <laughs> you'd know your deputy mayors and vice deputy mayors and staff people. You know how embarrassing? He's 60 years old. He's not 90 years old like Joe Biden. I get it. He needs picture identification. This is your chief of staff. Uh, This is your wife, Dr. Jill. This is the evil seed, Hunter Biden. He needs pictures. Uh, Can I hear that, that again, his explanation? Because... He was in Far Rockaway, which has become like the crime center of Queens. I mean, young men are at war, Bloods and Crips. I mean, look, Redfern, Auburn, Edgemere, I've been in all those projects. The cops, they don't have control because they're not permitted to do what they got to do by this mayor, Eric Adams, by his missing in action police commissioner, Sewell, and by his friend, the governor, who obviously wants to blame everything on judges and not on herself. I want you to listen because he doesn't quite get why his approval ratings is only 29%. A lot of people just start their day with saying, let me see what I can think hateful about. You know, I start my day of saying, wow, I'm lucky to be the mayor of New York City. You know, so I'm excited. I'm happy. You know, I'm amazed at people, how much people are upset that I'm happy that I'm mayor. <laughs> Uh, you know, why are you laughing all the time? Why you enjoy being out all the time? Why you like being around people? Why you do? I like being mayor. I wanted to be mayor. I'm mayor. I want the job that comes with it, and I want to be able to respect my employees by knowing who they are and communicating with them. You know, he could run the nightclub, Club Zero Bond, and everybody comes up to the nightclub owner. They all want to be friends with the nightclub owner until the wee hours of the morning. Oh, God. And then remember recently, uh, what's his name, Frank Dietz, uh, our our news guy? 
Hey, Frank, could you come in here for a moment so I can disparage you like all the other white reporters in New York City? God, they're such dopes. This guy makes fun of them. Oh, Frank, uh, have a seat here. Copper Squad here, Frank. So it was a Sunday ago, Harlem Hospital, very serious press conference about mental health problems that a lot of people have in New York City. So it was good that the mayor summoned the press corps, which is uh, all McWhitey Whiteys, pretty much. It's like 98% white. And that includes, did I get your last name wrong? Diaz, yeah. Oh, so you may have some Latino blood. I'm, ha- I'm half Puerto Rican. Oh, Puerto Rican, vaya, vaya. This is my music. Yes. It's uh, Jenny Affleck. Brock's, uh, Brock's neighbor. That's, good. Yeah, good. Go. Okay. Okay. Well, you're good. You're good. You see, you're part. You're only part. You're only part Boricua. Wow. This is good. So you were there in that scrum of all those white reporters. When the mayor, after making some very serious comments about mental health, about half of which I could agree with, then all of a sudden was Jack in the Box, and he said something that made no sense. But I noticed all the reporters, all the cracker reporters, just remained silent. Could, could, could I hear that again? Hold on. Just start their day with saying, let me see what I could think hateful about. You know, I start my day of saying, wow, I'm lucky to be the mayor no, of New no. York City. See, see, you know? see, you're so purposefully protecting you Eric know, Adams. It's just him talking about God is a woman. Every skill you, you, you think you can get them? Uh, so let's start it from scratch. My, my God, I, I, Frank Morano crew here. It's a crew <laughs> of dysfunctional people. Every skill I've ever acquired is coming to play. Right now, <laughs> you know, I mean, from monkeypox to COVID uh, to, um, you know, asylum seekers, you know, this is, you know, this is a moment where leadership matters. Uh, I think the creator knew we were going to have a difficult time. So uh, she made sure I was mayor this time. So, Frank. She made sure he was mayor. God, do you think it was appropriate to have like a follow up question to that? Why were the 28 of you, particularly the others who had no Latino or Latin blood in them at all? They were the crackers, the mighty whiteys. Why didn't they ask him what he meant by that? It, it, it would it would be nice to, to to understand why is is he implying that because there's so many bad things going on that New York City or God is a woman because they're emotional? Why didn't you ask that question? <laughs> that would have been an appropriate know, question. Right? And take him down that road. But you know, he was really laughing at all of you. Oh, of he course. said that, <laughs> and to himself, he said, look at these stupid white reporters. I can actually come out here and say that God is a woman and purposely chose me to be mayor. Whereas he just said the other thing, I'm lucky to be mayor, right? I'm lucky. What is he, lucky or did God, female God, choose him to be mayor? See, that's why you're a reporter. Now, you know something? Get the hell out of here. Oh, okay. Gee, I mean, <laughs> he laughed. Wait, you know what he's doing today? Hey, wait, hold on. Come back here, Frankie. Come back here. I'm going to see if I can get 
the management, uh, Matt Meany, our program director, to assign you to this. It's 11 o'clock this morning with all the Michigashi craziness going on in the city. High crime, monkey pox, right? Now it's been declared a national epidemic. We have cases of polio in Rockland County that may have spread to New York City. I'm not sure yet, but you would think he would hunker down about all these issues. Illegal aliens flooding into the city. He's claiming, oh, my God, we got no room for them. You know what he's doing at 11 o'clock this morning? A crazy mansion. He is conducting a student cooking demo in which he's putting on the apron. This is the second time he's doing this. Now, I don't know. Maybe he's distracted. Maybe it's attention deficit disorder. Hey, look, I have it. Sid Rosenberg has it. Bernard McGurk. You know, let's face it. We all have attention deficit disorder. But when you're mayor, you got to be focused. Does he want to be Gordon Ramsay, Guy Fiera, Mario Batali, Bobby Flay, Emeril Lagasse, Wolfgang Puck? If he wants to be a chef, why doesn't he just go and get a restaurant? He's going to put on his apron. He's going to lecture us. The last time he did this, you know what he said? And no report has followed up on it. He said, you know, when you eat cheese, cheese is a killer. It's more addictive than heroin. You would have thought people, excuse me, Mr. Mayor, no disrespect, but we have an epidemic of people shooting up heroin and fentanyl and dying. When's the last time somebody had Velveeta, a Velveeta cheese sandwich? Because, you know, Joe Biden's uh, inflation is bringing on a recession. We may all have to survive by eating Velveeta cheese sandwiches for lunch. Nobody drops dead from eating a Velveeta cheese sandwich. He actually said eating cheese is more addictive than shooting heroin or fentanyl. Can, can, can I have you go there today and ask these questions, please? Please. I mean, I also want to know what kind of cheese because... Uh, what, what, what kind of cheese? Yeah. You can't afford any cheese now with inflation. Be, be lucky if you can afford Velveeta. Went from $2 to $20. All right, hold on a second. Let's see if we can uh, rescue it and revive it. I challenge you to tell me the person who's hooked on heroin... And who's hooked on cheese? Well, let me volunteer for that challenge, Mr. Mayor. I will guarantee you, if you give me 100 opportunities to pick the heroin addict versus the cheese addict, I will be able to pick the heroin addict. Again, I'm not saying cheese is good for you, although there is some evidence to suggest that it does have some health benefits. But for the mayor to compare heroin to cheese, I mean, we must be talking about Swiss cheese because that comparison is full of holes. Oh, I actually concur with Frank. See, Frank takes great umbrage to this because he always says he's the fromage man. Remember, every year he has his junket. You know, he snores uh, free space at the Borgata. He then take all of his money when he shoots craps at the crap table. And he has this gathering of about 100 friends and associates for his wine and cheese New Year's extravaganza. And do you know of late, because he's been so busy with his now nationally syndicated show that I'm substituting for, his wife Rachel is saying, you know, sometimes in a marriage you have a baby and you no longer have that urge to merge, which is true. I, I know what she's talking about. So she went out in order to entice Frank, who gets, let's face it, he has attention disorder also. She has Velveeta nail polish. 
And there is now Velveeta cocktails. I kid you not. Uh, well, I am quite fond of cheese. <laughs> I would actually love a Velveeta scented nail polish. I think that would be great. That's like an aphrodisiac for him. She puts it on, and the guy is like, it's better than Viagra, Cialis, Levitra. I got to, I'm sorry, I got to do an intervention. I'm going to speak to Matt Meany. I know you got a busy news schedule today. I really want you to cover this press conference. Oh, well, when I'm done doing my news director duties and hosting early news and doing headlines, I will find some time to go ask uh, Mayor Adams the hard-hitting now, questions. Now, there are other reporters, as you know, who listen to the morning show when they're driving in to do their shifts at the other competing stations. Schmucks, putzes. Go to Gracie Mansion today at 11. Do your freaking jobs. Show up with your microphones, your pads, and pens. And don't be afraid because the mayor hides behind his complexion, which is a protection. Like when he came back from Albany and he said, how dare you all ask me that question? You don't walk in my skin. You don't ask me that question. And all the white reporters, please don't call me a cracker. Please don't. Get out of here, Frank. Go do your job. You got it. We'll find somebody. Maybe we'll get the crack producer, the brown nose producer for the Frank Morano show. By the way, get in here, Alex. You got nothing to do during the day. You know, you're basically mindlessly walking around, staring at your navel, wondering what the meaning of life is because you're wasting your life away as the producer of the Frank Morano national show. First off, uh, what was both I and Sid being accused of? I can't pronounce that word. Anyway. Okay, listen very closely. Nar, mm. si, mm. cyst, narcissist. Okay, uh, I agree. I am, and so is Sid. No doubt, he's like a peacock strutting around. And oh yeah, no, that's pretty obvious. Momentarily, I'm going to tell you how you can steal his new book. Citizens United. Just like Abby Hoffman said, steal my book. I stole his book yesterday. And the guy, he had no book making all of his appearances on TV yesterday promoting it. <laughs> I got you, Sid. You're a... What is that? He is a... Nar. Yeah. Si-sist. Why not just say he's a peacock? He just struts around like... I'm insane. <laughs> he is. All right, do me a favor. Are you willing to go and check out to see whether Eric Adams today, in the midst of all the craziness, Michigash in New York City, is either Gordon Ramsay, Guy Fieri, Mario Batali, Bobby Flay, Emerald Lagazzi, or Wolfgang Puck? Well, I got to text Frank to see if that's okay first. Okay, you know. why don't you go go, go in your cubbyhole there and text the Mama Luke. Do you get to wipe your tokus when you go to the bathroom without his permission? I mean, you talk about a guy who is anal. I I want to hear Frank talk about what the mayor said, comparing the last time he did this and played Chef Celebrity, where he compared eating cheese to being worse of an addiction than shooting heroin or shooting fentanyl. I challenge you to tell me the person who's hooked on heroin and who's hooked on cheese? Well, let me volunteer for that challenge, Mr. Mayor. I w- will guarantee you, if you give me 100 opportunities to pick the heroin addict versus the cheese addict, I will be able to pick the heroin addict. Again, I'm not saying cheese is good for you, although there is some evidence to suggest that it does have some health benefits. But 
for the mayor to compare heroin to cheese, I mean, we must be talking about Swiss cheese because that comparison is full of holes. Bravo, Frank. We're actually in agreement. I wonder if uh, your Eric Adams Republican friend, Joe Borelli, who hangs around eating cheese with you, drinking wine, uh, smoking cigars with, oh, my God, you're not going to believe who he does this with, who he hangs out with, Jumani Williams, the public advocate, in his backyard, the guy who hates cops, who hates Hates America. Frank was probably back there. They probably had a cheese plate, right? And it's Joe Borelli. What did he call me? He said I was inbred. What did he call me? This is a guy who's an ingrate. Inbred? This is a guy who's an ingrate. Whatever that means. Anyway, and Eric Adams, Republican. You know, Frank chose him as his best man. Didn't choose me. I'm crestfallen. I mean, he was my intern. He was my producer. He has this nationally syndicated show because, let's face it, I helped develop his talent. He's got great talent. Then when his son, Carmine, was christened, baptized, I wasn't invited. Look, a 40-year-old kid. It must have been difficult. 40-pound kid uh, christening. Man, that's a lot of uh, water. They probably had four priests pouring the water on uh, 40-pound Carmine. And then recently he had the barbecue, right? In his backyard, his Ponderosa, his Palancia. And he was serving cheese. You know, that was his favorite, cheese. And you better believe Joe Borelli was there, the Eric Adams Republicans, with the other Eric Adams Republicans out in Staten Island and from Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan. <laughs> How did this guy buy him off? I mean, and did I get invited to the barbecue? No. In my crew of African-Americans, not the McWhitey-Whiteys, uh, the crew of Frank Morata, did they get invited? No. And as Avery, his telephone talent coordinator said, who was on loan from the Curtis Sliwa other side of midnight, said, the only way Frank Morano would have invited me to his barbecue the other weekend is if I was delivering Domino pizzas to his house. And then, and then, with all of this, all this craziness going on in our city, the mayor the other day in the South Bronx declared himself to be the hip hop mayor. Don't disconnect this moment. That's right. First time in New York City history we have a hip hop mayor. <laughs> Dyslexic, arrested, rejected. Now I'm elected. (laughs) Man, they don't know what they did. They don't know what they do. They, meaning you, you idiot white people. They don't know what they do, which means did. Elected him mayor. He sold you wolf tickets, man. (laughs) And he brought a $3 million check from the Treasury and gave it to the Hip Hop Museum. Look, who are the guys you had who could have just written off a check? It's a 501c3 deduction. Hey, Jay-Z, right? Billionaire. Puff Diddy, you know, from uh, Mount Vernon. That's where he was spawned. Uh, Fat Joe. Oh, no, that's right. He almost went to jail for not paying taxes. Oh, oh, LL Cool J was there. Oh, he's rolling in dough. I could have written 
Written checks, made donations. We had to give three million so he could be the hip hop mayor. Ah, oh, Kwame Kirkpatrick was the last hip hop mayor in American Detroit, and he wore five thousand dollar customized suits. Check bucket list check. That's what Eric Adams just had to smile, had to laugh, and had the the earring in the ear. You know what happened? He got sent to 28 years in a federal prison for extortion, racketeering, political corruption. And who commuted his sentence? The guy that Eric Adams hates, President Trump. All I can do is warn you, Eric. If you're going to be hanging around with hip-hop monsters who talk about more drive-bys, more shootings, more drugs, more chaos... Man, be careful, Eric. I'm worried about you. I really am. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Hold on, sir. Hold on. Demi Lovato. This woman's a screwball. She's got issues. We're going to go into a momentarily. I, I, I really don't want to play this uh, song here. What is this? Heart attack? She's going to give me a heart attack with this song. Please. Let's go old school for Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg, who will be here momentarily at 6, 6 to 10. Classic Temptations. Now, Bernard McGurk was listening to this in the Monroe Housing Projects. He had to. It was required that he listen to Motown. They said, white boy, you're the only white boy here. You better be listening to Motown. Temptations, Marvin Gaye, Gaye with an E at the end, Smokey Robinson, Diana Ross. That's right. We share the same birthday. And the Supremes, the Shirelles. I mean, we go right on down Bernie had no choice. Only white guy in the projects of the South Bronx. Can you imagine if all of a sudden he started talking in Gaelic and doing that Irish, what is that, that that leg dance they do there? That, the brothers would have killed him. So he became, he listened to WWRL. I know what Bernie did in order to survive. And I love the Temptations. And this song could apply to all the folks who want to be identified by 72 different gender identifications. 72 now. At any given moment of the day, we must respect what you feel at that moment and must identify you as such. Or or we could be perceived of as being insensitive, homophobic, genderphobic, any number of the words they've created to establish that. And the reason I bring this all up is, too, we have uh, Kathy Crime Wave Hochul, 
who does nothing about the growing crime. Now she blames it on the judges, blames it on the judges, but says she's best friends with Eric Adams. You know, and the Eric Adams Republicans say, oh, Eric Adams. Oh, if we follow him, Congressman Zeldin will beat Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. No. How ridiculous. But anyway, uh, this is what uh, Crime Wave Kathy Holcomb did yesterday. Holcomb meaning nonsense. She announced that there was a new online process for New Yorkers to choose an ex-gender marker on your license or ID. Wow, that's a real pressing problem in New York State. Let's see. The budget is bent out of shape. We're running out of money. We got a crime crisis everywhere. Monkeypox, right? National emergency, state emergency. And this was the most important issue to make sure that people can properly identify themselves based on whatever. Now, what happens if you have a driver's license or an ID and you decide you're a different gender or a different sexuality? Do you just keep going back and forth to the Department of Transportation to get a change in license? Good. Stand online in perpetuity. See how difficult it is to get a license, a normal license. This is what she did. This is what she spent her time. This was her real estate yesterday, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. And actually, who is the poster child for all this? Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato, she's not one of ours. No, no, she came out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, so who knows, you know, maybe... You know, she was one of those new agers, maybe went on one of those hot balloon rides and it ate up her brain cells. You know, they got it right there in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. Have you ever been to Albuquerque? Big with hot, big balloons, right? I think she's a balloon head. Anyway, she says she's adopted she, her pronouns again and explains why. So she's flipping the script like every few weeks. Imagine... If she had to go for a license or an ID every time she decided, oh, I feel differently. I need a new license. I need a new ID because I don't want to be stigmatized. So this Fruit Loop Trooper, who is a hot mess, becomes sort of one of the leaders of this movement of choosing one of 72 different gender identifications and sexual preferences. So she says, yes. I definitely think I'm on a journey forever. There might be a time where I identify as a trans. I don't know what this will look like for me. There might be a time where I identify as non-binary and gender non-conforming, maybe for my entire life. Or maybe there's a period of time when I get older that I identify as a woman. What? You know, we would have said that this person is confused, right? But she's a success in her field, her endeavor. So we say, what do we say? Well, she's a bit eccentric. See, if she was from the neighborhood and she was not a success, let's just say she was a waitress or a truck driver or an Uber driver, right? We would say, this this woman's a nut job. She's a screwball. She's a crackpot, right? Oh, she's a success in her field. Lovato said that she wanted to keep her identity open and free. So now here I'm at the Department of Transportation. I'm at the License Bureau, and I said, you know what? 
I want my uh, identity on my license to be open and free. Just put down, it could be whatever I want to be at that moment, at that time of the day, and everyone must respect me. But no, 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 seriously. Debbie, you, Debbie, you have to put in some. No, no, that's what it should be. I'm, I'm a free agent. Put down free agent. And they're doing this. This is crazy. I mean, and they want our children and our grandchildren to be indoctrinated in this nonsense. She goes on to say, I'm an influencer. I'm a very fluid person. And so that goes with how I express myself as well. I want to be on a journey forever searching for my true gender, my true sexuality. So we're going to have to wait for her to identify from day to day. 72 different gender identifications, 72 different types of sexual preferences. So, for instance, and this can work for women, right? You know, when they're with their husband or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or whatever, they can say, I have a headache and it can't be considered an excuse. They said, no. I have a headache, but today I'm asexual. I don't desire sex at all. I'm abstaining. And you must respect that. Then the next day, a completely different person, as if they're Sybil with all the personalities, or better yet, Kathy Bates in misery with James Conn, who tried to sue me. Oh, I love that scene when she broke his ankles. And then she said, oh, but I love you. How many wives have I had? It's been the same thing. Miserable. Misery. Oh, God. I so identify with that movie. Kathy Bates tying down James Caan, who's not a mobster in that movie, but he's a, he's a stellar writer, literary genius. She breaks his ankle so he can't leave. And then at the end of it, torturing him, saying, but I really love you. That's what marriage is like. Wait, I digress. So she says, yes, so today I'm they, them. Tomorrow I may be she, her again. You must respect that. So for me, I'm such a fluid person that I don't really, I don't find that I am. I felt like, especially last year, my energy was balanced in my masculine. And then towards the end of the year, my feminine energy. So that when I was faced with the choice of walking into a bathroom, get this, ladies and gentlemen, and it said women and men, I didn't feel like there was a bathroom for me because I didn't feel necessarily like a woman. I didn't feel like a man. I just felt like a human being. So what did you do? Go into the middle of the street and drop your drawers? (laughs) What? Yeah, you had to go. You know, that's something we all share. Billionaires, indigent people, poor people. You got to go. You got to go. So all of a sudden, no, I'm not going to the woman's bathroom. I don't feel like a woman today. No, I'm not going to the men's bathroom. I don't feel like a a man today. I just feel human. So I'm going to go out in the middle of the street, cop a squat, drop my drawers, and just let it ride. And I'm telling you, this woman is such a screwball, she'd probably do that. Oh, she's an artiste. Oh, you got to respect her craft. Oh, she's come so far from being so down. 
And she went on and on and on till the break of dawn describing the importance of they, them pronouns to her and everyone else, as if she's a resident expert. She was like, she was like OD, what, a few months ago, right? Right? They had to recess it. Now she's an expert on these pronouns. Parents, grandparents, I really, really feel for you that you get your children and your, your grandchildren coming up to you. Grandma, you know, you know what you are. No, no. What am I? Oh, you're they, them. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm, I'm a woman. I, I'm XX. Those are my chromosomes. No, no, you're not. And, you know, tomorrow you could be she, her. What, what the hell are you talking about? You know, I'm not going to write you into my will. Oh, my God. The kid will say, Grandma, you could be whoever you want. That's all you got to do. No endowment, no blind trust, no last will and testament. Fix their wagons. If they're going to play head games with our generation, our baby boomer generation, then write them out of everything. Oh, they want to be, oh, you want to be footloose and fancy free day and, and them? You could be porn indigent and tell every homeless person, from now on in the shelter, I want you to refer to me as they and them as I'm eating my Velveeta cheese sandwiches. Oh, God, this is absolute lunacy. And this was put out by NBC, the nincompoop broadcasting company, you know, with the peacock. Oh, by the way, isn't that what, isn't that what Sid is? By the way, can you call in the... Uh, the brown-nosed uh, producer of the Frank Morano show, Alex, you know, he's a peacock. He struts around. You should have seen him yesterday. I, I, I'm going to go into great detail. I keep forgetting that term that's been applied to me and Sid because there's no doubt he's a peacock the way he struts around. You know, that symbol for NBC, the Nincompoo Broadcasting Company, that was interviewing Demi Lovato for two hours as she has now anointed herself as the resident expert <laughs> On pronoun identification. She was like in a gurney in a hospital in detox. What? Like four, four months ago. Now I'm an expert. What's that term again? Narcissist. Narcissist. That's what I am, right? Oh, yeah, big time. And that's what Sid is, right? Even more so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you keep saying that, Butch. Remember Butch, Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid. Remember, remember he saying, "Who is that?" Paul Newman would keep saying to Robert Redford, "You keep thinking that, Butch. You keep thinking that." I don't have to think it; it's a fact. Get the hell out of here, <laughs> boy! This is this is weird. Uh, you know what? Knowing that the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, with all this craziness going on in our city. His big event today is he going to be he's going to be the celebrity chef at City Hall. No, make that Gracie Mansion the place he never is because you know he's he's gallivanting you know all over the place. In which he's going to do a cooking demo for the second time, and he's going to straighten everybody out how cheese is a poison, and that it's worse than heroin and fentanyl. <laughs> And I know this is going to outrage, outrage Frank upon his return, wherever he is. If he's in Cape May, I don't believe that's the case. Cape May, 
No, no. Montauk, yeah, because they banned dancing out there. And, you know, Frank is like the son of a Pentecostal, Pentecostal minister. He wants you to play Parcheesi and Monopoly and board games, and he wants to ban dancing. Like my Kumbada Cheech almost did when he was mayor of the city of New York, Rudy. Yeah, Rudy. Hogs and heifers. Remember hogs and heifers down at the, the meatpacking district? So all the ladies, all the stars and starlets, they had to go there and take their brasiers off, you know, their Playtex uh, bras. And they hung them up behind the bar, and they got to dance, you know. Do you know Rudy? He decided to ban all dancing in gin mills, bars. You couldn't put quarters in a gin, in, in, into a jukebox and dance. Cabaret, he padlock you. And then all of a sudden, he would send his inspectors outside the nightclubs, and he would check the decibel level, and he would charge you with noise, a noise abatement, like fines of $10,000, right? And all of a sudden, you were closed. Can I hear what Frank Morano says about cheese and heroin and fentanyl, please? I, 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 I challenge you to tell me the person who's hooked on heroin and who's hooked on cheese. Well, let me volunteer for that challenge, Mr. Mayor. I w- will guarantee you, if you give me 100 opportunities to pick the heroin addict versus the cheese addict, I will be able to pick the heroin addict. Again, I'm not saying cheese is good for you, although there is some evidence to suggest that it does have some health benefits. But for the mayor to compare heroin to cheese, I mean, we must be talking about Swiss cheese because that comparison is full of holes. (laughs) Frank, your complexion is not your protection. How dare you? You don't walk in the mayor's skin. How would you know what it was like for a Euro-Asiatic black man growing up, Frank Morano? How dare you insult the mayor? Go back to your McWhitey-Whitey status. And he's warning you, don't eat that Velveeta cheese. Don't, don't, don't succumb to the Velveeta nail polish. That you uh, wa- well, I am quite fond of cheese. <laughs> I would actually love a Velveeta-scented nail polish. I think that would be great. It, it exists. It's like an aphrodisiac for him. And Rachel was having a tough time after having a baby. Hey, we've all been through that. You know, the wife has a baby, and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe once a month, when before that it was like five times a week. We've all been down that road. And Rachel was saying, my God, i got to get him back on track. She put that Velveeta nail polish on it. Man, this guy was like, whoa, I don't need Viagra. I don't need Cialis. I don't need Levitra. And then they put out Velveeta cocktails. He drinks six Velveeta cocktails before noontime. He's half in the bag. Uh, Well, I am quite fond of cheese. (laughs) I would actually love a Velveeta-scented nail polish. I think that would be great. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Make way for the peacock, for the narcissist, whatever the hell it is and what I am. As he has left the Irish Riviera, he is on his way into the studios of WABC to hook up with his lifetime partner in radio. No, no, no. Not one of the 72 gender or sexuality identifications. Not that kind of lifetime partner. 
God, these two guys, the way they are, they'd have monkey pox in a heartbeat. But no, his lifetime partner in radio, because to his word, Sid Rosenbaum, Rosenberg, I call him Baum. What the hell to me, the Gentiles, they're all the same, right? He laid it all out in his book. He delivered his promise. And I told you, I, I had the, the only book that's been out there that Sid was supposed to be walking around on all of his appearances yesterday. Newsmax, some of the other stations, you know, he's promoting it big time. And I stole the book. It's like Abby Hoffman had his book, steal this book. Well, I stole Sid's book, and I ripped out page 27. Page 27, he promised, he said he would deliver, and he did. It was all about me, which makes me a narcissist. What was that again, a narcissist? Whatever. I'm the man. Yeah, you, you are. You delivered. You're a man's man. I'm and the man. If you go to page 27 of Sid Rosenberg, the book with Johnny Russo. My God, Johnny Russo. Not that Johnny Russo. He probably wanted quite the Vic. Citizens United. The forward was written by John Katsimatidis, our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, and Bernard McGurk, his partner, for life. Not the way you think that means. I wasn't asked to write a thumbnail sketch, but it was all right. This is the business we have chosen. I am just lowering the queue. So he said to me, I wrote all about you on page 27. Without you, I wouldn't be here at WABC. I said, you're going to acknowledge that city? He goes, absolutely. And I ripped the page out of the book as he was making the rounds, and he delivered. Look at this, 20, page 27. You got it when you get the book. And by the way, don't pay for the book. Steal the book. I'm going to give you a whole litany, a bunch of ways, a panoply number of ways to steal the book. Because, look, you're in New York City. You're in the surrounding tri-state area. Look, you can shoplift. You can boost products. There's no consequences. You don't get arrested. And would you want to really pay for the book when you could steal it and have it for free? And I know some of you are saying, well, look, you know, uh, Sid said, get it at a bookstore, bookstore near you, Sid Rosenberg, Citizens United. Yeah, but there aren't that many bookstores anymore. What is it? Brontano's, uh, whatever the name that was, they closed it. Barnes & Noble's, they're closing them. Just go in there and steal it. What, what, what is the store detective going to do, right? You, you're reading today in today's papers, there are people who have been busted for shoplifting a hundred times. They're competing with one another. Especially if you're in Manhattan, just go to the cashier at Barnes & Noble. Say, I'm here for my Alvin Bragg swag bag. I'm here to steal the Sid Rosenberg, Sid Citizens United. And I'm not going to shoot. I'm just going to loot. I promise you, I won't shoot the place up. They'll, they'll move out of the way. They'll part out of the way like, Mo, like the Red Sea did for Moses, escaping Yul Brenner and leading his people to Israel. Strong Zionist. That's it is. And if you happen to be Jewish and you had your bris, you got to drop your drawers and prove that you, in fact, are one of the chosen people. You should get it for free. Let's face it. A lot of money. That's right. You don't need the money, Sid. I make a lot of money. For your people, your peeps, they should get it for free. What are we, the Gentiles, what, 40 days Jesus Christ was lost in the desert? You peeps, 40 years. 
The Jews roamed the desert for 40 years until Moses consulted the burning bush. And then you got, what, 248 commandments? And in typical Gentile fashion, we boiled it down. We truncated it down to Ten Commandments. No, no, your peeps should get it for free. If, if your peeps right now, when they show up at shul and synagogue, they come up with their minion, and they're not asking illegal aliens who are online, yeah, for day labor to join it so they can have a minion, they should get it for free as they daven and study their Talmud and Torah because this book will be as important as Talmud, Torah, and then Sid Rosenberg's Citizens United. Where the hell did Johnny Russo come in? Man, this guy, he don't play. He's going to want his vig. Anyway, page 27. I mean, it goes into great detail. How I single-handedly threatened to kick in the door of Chad Lopez, our general manager, our president. They had the paperwork on the desk at our old Cumulus facility, 17th floor of Tupan Plaza, Madison Square Garden. And they were ready to sign up Mike Lupica. Mike Lupica, horrible talk show host, right, on TV, at ESPN. But, oh, I miss said, I want Mike Lupica. In fact, I'm thinking of firing Bernard. Maranama. And Sid. I don't want Sid. Hate Le- that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did. Leave him in Florida. Hate right? that guy. Let him go wrestle alligators. He's such a narcissist, whatever. And this, this page, 27, hey, look, if you don't want to steal the book, just rip out page 27. It's worth it. Nothing's going to happen to you. Nobody prosecutes you for shoplifting or boosting anymore. And it, he single-handedly tells the world that I threw the gauntlet down. It was high noon. I said, if you guys don't do a shit-ock and match Sid Rosenberg back with Bernard McGurk and give him mid-mornings, that's it. I guess I'm fired, right? I'd rather go get a job hanging wallpaper. He quotes me. And they said, you think we could be intimidated? Yeah, yeah, I think you can. And I don't know, for some strange reason, Chad, maybe he was like Aaron Rodgers, you know, you know, taking LSD. I don't know. He signed them up. Now they're the greatest morning talk show, not just here in the tri-state area. But the ratings leader across the nation. I make a lot of money. Yeah, I know. That's why you should give it to your peeps for free, the chosen people, right? What do they have? They have unleavened bread. They don't even have leavened bread. They have unleavened flat. What what is that? Flat bread? They put the matzah in the oven for 18 minutes. 18. High. 18 times 2 is 36. High. 36 times 2 is 72. That brings you luck. I'm the man. And then... If you get your books by Amazon, order it through your neighbor. Get your neighbor's information. Have the Amazon guy deliver it to your neighbor. And then do what they're doing all over the tri-state area. Be a porch pirate. Go on to the porch. Steal it. Don't pay for it. Let your neighbor worry about that. Look, you're entitled to this. Just remember it. Write it down in your hands because I know you're... You're scrambling for a piece of paper. You're so stung out. You haven't had your first cup of coffee. Sid Rosenberg with Johnny Russo. What the hell was he doing with the book? Citizens United. Oh, man. And don't, don't pay for this book. Steal this book.